Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Everything Edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Yeah, now we do it all at once. You get the whole hog as well as its horn and our horn. Collective. <laughs> our one, our horn. Um, Sorry for the extra week in there, the padding week. Uh, I watched... Um, I watched the TNG episode, A Perfect Mate, and it made me get sick. So Yeah, yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah, in fact, everyone be at home, listeners, be careful. If you watch that episode, you might get, uh, like, such as a virus or something. So It's difficult to recommend, especially if your immune system is weak from having just watched uh, Cost of Living. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> but you know how it works now, guys. We do the mailbags on the same week as the Star Trek. And we should probably lead with that so that later on, after we've done two hours of Star Trek, we're not just reading them and going, Yeah, all right. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> all right, well, let's jump in then. Yeah, let's do it. Mailbag by Brother Date. On February 6th, Ryan writes in, Every workplace has its Randy. Randy is the character that, I mean, it's really Matt's uh, brainchild. But, you know, we sort of developed the idea of Randy together. He's the guy who uh, who gets all the service tickets for the replicators on the Enterprise-D. Yeah, that guy's got a shit fucking job. And especially when paired with all the other random shit that happens on that ship that everyone... That everyone has to deal with, and you never really get to see anyone deal with. Yeah, Randy's not the only guy that got knocked out uh, <laughs> in the in terrible B living. plot, the B plot that no one paid <laughs> any attention to, and had to wake up fresh in the knowledge that he very nearly died. And for what? Unclear. They're not going to tell Randy. <laughs> I feel like there should be a, a rule in the writers' room that if one of the plots knocks everyone on the ship out, it should have to be the A plot, so that people have to talk about it. I you can't agree. hide it in eight minutes of B-plot. It doesn't make any sense. Um, also, it, make, also <laughs> it would make um, uh, it would make What's-His-Name really happy, because then the episode truly would be about nothing, which is what he prefers. Uh, Rick Berman? I don't know who said that. Uh, oh, it might have been Brandon Braga. Yeah, Brandon Braga. Yeah, one of these dumb, one of these fucking dumb-dumbs who made Star Trek. You know, Star uh, Trek, he, the bad IP, the t the bad IP that no one's ever done anything good with, that for some reason we're going to spend 10,000 hours of our life uh, analyzing f and recording our yeah. thoughts. What the yeah. fuck? Yeah, yeah. Uh, preserving them for posterity, assuming that anyone ever archives this. Again, my hope is this is the only surviving relic from this era, and that people draw <laughs> a lot of strange conclusions from this podcast. About what life was like here. 
they kept making this show that um, apparently everyone hated. They but they just made it. so much of it. They say it with their own mouths that everyone hated the show, but they just kept on doing it. That was a strange era. We, uh... We watched season three of Lower Decks this last week. Oh, nice. Well, Lower Decks, I think, uh, is the best of the new Star Treks. And, but it it is constantly taking shots at the other Star Trek franchises, and it's amazing that it got greenlit. Because <laughs> it is referential, and that part I think they enjoy. But it is also, uh, as you said, does make a lot of fun of the bad choices that the other star treks made there's an episode where they go back to the two planets uh that are in symbiosis yes or ornara and brecca and and everyone is unbelievable they cannot believe what picard did yeah when they read that uh, picard's solution to the problem was to do nothing they're they're fucking flabbergasted about it as you know as we were yeah <clears throat> uh but on the subject of Randy, Ryan goes on to say, in Mythic Quest, that's an Apple TV uh, show. Okay. Uh, Randy is that guy from the art department. Well, we haven't watched the new season of Mythic Quest, so... I haven't watched any of it. Is it good? You know, it's okay. It's uh, it's about a gaming studio that's work- that's building an MMO. So Who's in that fucker? Mac from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. All right. <laughs> Aperna Noncherla. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, an Australian girl of Chinese heritage who plays a character named Poppy Lee, but I've forgotten the actress's name. Yeah, I was gonna say once you once you've run out of people that I might that I might know, you don't have to say yeah. no more about them. Uh, it's okay. It's not bad. Okay. It doesn't have the uh, you know, the tremendous heart of the successful Apple TV show. Uh, the Ted Lasso's. Ted Lasso. Yeah, well, we are sometimes looking for a reason to keep our Apple TV subscription. Yes. So maybe we'll watch that just to um, pad it out a little bit. I got a shitload of free months of it when my company bought me a new laptop because they just had it sent directly to me because it's like a small company, right? Mm-hmm. So it was just like, as far as Apple knew, I bought this laptop and I was entitled to all this Apple TV. Yeah, they don't give a shit. Um, no, they don't care. <clears throat> I got a new phone when I started my new job in the, around New Year. And one of the things that it keeps telling me, it keeps having a little, showing me a little notification on the settings. And I go in and it's like, look, these are all these offers that you haven't taken advantage of because you got this new iPhone. You bought it. You went to the store and purposely <laughs> bought an iPhone. So you get all these you things. You picked it out and we're You paid so $1,300 or whatever these things yeah, cost. Exactly. And, uh, and one of them, I think, is a certain number of months free of, of Apple TV. So I should probably take advantage of that. <clears throat> uh, Ryan asks, 350 years from now, when you can toss your socks into the trash, basically, and hey, Siri, up some fresh ones in the morning when you get dressed, do you think people will still fuck with highly customized themed socks? Like, decorative socks is a thing for some people? I mean, in, <clears throat> I guess in one way it'd be easier. Right? Because you could just, like, you just fucking beam those things into your room so you could scan the whole library of socks. I'd be like, oh, I you ain't think tried number 1,390 like, yet. Hey, I want to wear uh, some flotter socks today. Can you give me some, <laughs> some socks with flotter? Hot flots right here. I like the ones where he's uh, 
Where he's token up. Those are the good ones. <laughs> I got those hey, on I, my socks. Can I get uh, some socks with, um, you know, I don't want actual Bart Simpson. I want those, like, knockoff Bart Simpsons <laughs> where he uh, he's got a big sombrero and a little thin mustache and he's smoking a joint. You know what I'm talking about, computer. <laughs> one of them knockoff ones. Yeah, I want the one where it says flop boxing on it. That's the one that I want. <laughs> where he's hot boxing that other guy. Tree. Tr- Trevis. <laughs> Those are socks, it's right? A, and if they're not, why aren't they? Let's, let's it's a, turn it's a good socks. question. Uh, my counterpoint to to your suggestion is I cannot imagine getting up in the morning and then going and scrolling through a fucking socks uh, database. No, I mean, that's the thing you do every once in a while and really just yeah. like, you'd be like, either you'd have a nice list. If you're a list maker, you'd have a nice list of socks you're going to try. Maybe if you're putting together your Jordy LaForge date night outfit with mm. different widths of corduroy yes. on top and bottom, yes, you know, yes, like yes, 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 you're yes, kind of yes. maybe different widths of corduroy in the same shirt. Yeah, that shirt had a lot going on. So it is possible. Maybe when you're doing that, you're flipping through the fucking socks directory. Yeah, that chick but, was uh, into it. She said yes to him and went to the holodeck and sat on the beach with him, but she couldn't get over that sweater. It was rough, man. She, come on, there, there is no explanation for why she's there unless she was at least theoretically interested in this. But you can only take I so guess, much of those clothes. I guess I was more thinking of his date with Leah Brahms that was an ambush date. Oh, where yeah, the one where he didn't know she was. Pres- presumably 90 seconds before the camera turned to him, he was telling the computer, now computer, our goal tonight is to get laid. <laughs> Remember from last time all the things you did that prevented that from happening, and now it was your it fault. It was your fault. It was your fault that I was distracted on that shuttlecraft, and the Romulans got me. That's right. That one was on you, and you owe me. So you're gonna make it up to me tonight, and we're gonna get how it come, on. How come you haven't figured out the specific kind of guitar music I want to listen to? We've been trying this for weeks, and you still can't get it right. But let's get back to the sweater because it's important. Uh, Burgundy. Also. <laughs> No, I meant Merlot. I meant Merlot. <laughs> it should be purpler, computer. This is too red. I'm blind. <laughs> uh, if your daughter worked on the United Nations flagship, Ryan asks, mm. and there was an entertainment venue on it, you'd get married on it, too. I don't know. I mean, maybe. I mean, I, I feel like I would at least call ahead. Yes, I wouldn't just show up and get married. I wouldn't on it rock sure. up and be like, "Time for me to have a wedding." Yeah, well, you know, flash mobs were all the thing for a while. Now it's flash weddings. Now you just show up with a priest and guests. Hope everyone enjoys seeing my moles and birthmarks. And you get mad raw because you gotta get naked, and then you just get married on the spot. And everyone, yeah, they take their videos. So they take their videos and they put it on the internet and they say, look what this crazy thing's happening right here. I was just here getting a sandwich and now everyone's getting married. I think. Ryan also posits that the worst job in Starfleet might be janitor on ships with a holodeck. <laughs> uh, I think. He means for the gisms. The, pre- the presumption is that when you say comp- computer and program, a bunch of jisms just fall to the floor <laughs> and splatter. <laughs> Someone's got to go in there and fucking squeegee it up. Think of that scene from Star Trek Six where the gravity comes back. It's basically the all jisms and it 
probably for some races like the nasty, nasty Bolians who oh, God. mess up the toilet in an sure. incredible way. Uh, maybe it's even Pepto Bismol colored. Well, I mean, for them, I mean, if you ever go to the bathroom in the holodeck, you suppose anyone's ever so? Oh God, they're so engaged with what's happening in the program that they just like stop and drop one. Just like Picard's uh, <laughs> in Hill. a boring part of Dixon Hill, <laughs> yeah. and he's in Dix's office, and he just fucking just goes and rips goes one down off. the corridor to use the 1940s <laughs> toilet. It's got like a pull cord above his head to flush. <laughs> Takes him like five, seven minutes after he's done turding to figure out how to make the thing go. How to f- yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, what happens when that thing ends program? He walks around in there with dirty toilet paper in his hand because he doesn't remember what you do with it afterwards. And then he's like, <laughs> he eventually he fl- tries to flush it down the toilet just because he's like panicking about what to do with it. <laughs> he doesn't ask the lady at the front knowing that she's just a computer and this won't hurt him long term. It won't hurt his career, <laughs> right. you know. It won't be bad for him as a private investigator. Yeah. Or captain in Starfleet. Yeah. <laughs> Either one. It's hard to say. Uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe he goes in there and then he's just like, computer, just give me a drawer full of water or whatever we do for toilets here. <laughs> yeah, the 24th century toilet. Non-specific. I don't want anyone at home to know how it works. Um, Yeah, man. I mean, if that is how the holodeck works, that's a rough concept. Yeah, that wouldn't be great. I don't know. How much of the Enterprise is self-cleaning? I know it puts out fires by itself, but like we can do that today, right? Sprinklers know there's a fire. They turn on. There's, they're sentient. They sense the fire. And they put him out. Yeah, I mean, I do feel like Riker definitely tells, and I have forgotten her name, the big old redhead. Uh, Eamon Maritza. There we go. That the ship is self-cleaning. And then she says, well, good for the bloody ship. But Yeah, so I don't know to what extent the jisms need to be cleaned up by a person. But but yeah, if that's your job, not great. It's a grim idea, for sure. Also on the 6th, Ryan says, thank you for the mental image of the lowrider starship. I don't even remember when we talked about that, but I'm glad we did. Yeah, me either. I don't remember. Did we talk about like a starship that's on airbags and it just fucking squats down or <laughs> pops up in the air? Or... Maybe. I don't know. Low riders mean different things to different people, but uh, yeah, I guess technically that's a win. I don't. Sure, yeah, give it to him. I don't care. Ryan made the drop i love to hear the music that's fine <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh and he also retweeted someone's response to the pen question from last week mm. uh where and without comment so it's hard to say exactly what his intention was here but the uh the the image he the the, the tweet he retweeted is itself a retweet <clears throat> sure. that, uh where the person in the Making the commentary on it says, I just want to know everyone picking seven, which is the big crystal, so I can report them to the FBI. Yeah, I mean, it would be, I mean, the only person who would pick that would be a troll. You'd be trolling, and you'd be like, I love the, I love the, it's really called the big crystal, huh? Yeah, sorry. <sighs> I'm sorry to report No, that. I think you said that in a previous episode, and I, I now I remember that, and that makes me sad that they gave it such a fancy sounding name for the world's shittiest pen. Uh, yeah, you'd be the trolling. Old- the only thing I can think is that those ballpoints write on receipt paper. I mean, they do. Which some pens don't. <clears throat> Man, some pens you, don't write on that thermal printer paper that goes If your through. pen don't write on everything, throw it away. I need yeah, a pen that writes on everything. I'm not going to switch pens. Fucking A. 
Well, they anywhere that where they you have to sign a receipt, they have a pen that writes on it. Well, they fucking better. That'd be fucking annoying. Would that be? Uh, you want to borrow this? But you can, got pens. You can borrow. Oh no, none of them write on that though. I need you to sign this, but we don't have a pen that works on this paper. No, so. we got lots of pens, but they, none of them work here. Honestly, we thought you'd have one. Did you bring one? Did um, you? Then I'm afraid we cannot one, complete right? this transaction. <laughs> we are at a we are at a, a real uh, uh, we're we're doing we cannot complete this transaction. I'm going to have to report you to the police. Uh, finally, on the 13th, Ryan writes in with uh, an image of the world's last commercial ocean-going sailing ship, uh, which has uh, four masts and, I don't know, 20 sails? So many of them sails. A lot of sails and, and asking, uh, imagine having to fuck with all this rigging during a battle. Yeah. I'm sure that's based on some of the recent Sea of Thieves adventures that we've had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully they'd have more than one person doing the sales. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to. You'd yeah. have to for sure. Um, yeah, everything's scaled down a little bit in Sea of Thieves. Like, the idea that a galleon might only have eight guns on it is... <laughs> eight guns like and four Remarkably crew. scaled down, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It is, uh, but it is impressive to look at. Oh man, there's six sails on each of the three uh, full size masts. I can't tell how many are on the mizzen mast, but yeah, man, it's uh, it had <clears throat> that's the, for a long time they were just like, how do we make it more advanced? It's like fucking attack, fucking five more sails on there. It's a new ship. Just say it's a new design. Like, what were you gonna do? There was only so much you could do. So they just kept getting bigger and bigger. They didn't know what to do. I'm sure this was a problem for somebody. Anyway, this thing was apparently still uh, sailing on the ocean in 1949. So, yeah, it must. I mean, since it was the last one, I'm sure it was just a novelty. But still, could have been. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, that's it for the mailbag. Oh well, then we we better do the audio segment then. Yeah, I guess we should jump into the audio segment. Right. One time when I was working at the port, I was driving around in the container yard, managing traffic for all of the truck drivers that were coming in to pick up or drop off shipments. I saw a truck driver blast through a stop sign at one of the intersections in the container yard. So I chased him down and pulled him over, gave him a citation and let him know that we were kicking him off the terminal for the day. And... He was very upset about this. I had to explain to him that when you're towing around 40,000 pounds, you can't stop on a dime, and that our safety rules, such as the speed limit and stop signs, were inviolate, that he would have to come back and bring his load in the next day. So he interrupted me again to protest, and I told him, interrupt me again, and you're out for two days. So he was quiet, and I resumed my explanation of why it was unsafe. He interrupted me again. I said, if you interrupt me again, it's going to be three days. Do you understand me? He said, I understand. I said, okay, let me finish. So I proceeded to get back on my soapbox and explain to him why it was unsafe for him to blast through stop signs and intersections with all these blind corners of the container yard. 
He interrupted me again. I told him, now you're banned for three days. If you interrupt me one more time, you are banned from this terminal for life. Do you understand me? He said, yes, sir. I said, look me in the eyes and tell me you understand that if you interrupt me again, you are banned for life from this terminal. And so he said, yes, sir, I understand. I said, okay, you're going to be out for the rest of this week. You can come back next week. You cannot come back. Do not get in line tomorrow. Do not get in line on Thursday. Do not come back until next week. He interrupted me again. I cut him off. I said, you are banned for life from this terminal. You will never again deliver shipments to this terminal. He broke down crying, which I guess I was kind of a bully. <laughs> and, uh, well, I felt like the asshole that I was. So I said, all right, all right, all right, stop crying. Come back tomorrow. Get out of here. So he took his citation, he got in his truck, and he left, and uh, I proceeded to go on about my business, contemplating the monster bully that I was turning into. <laughs> Stories from the waterfront. <laughs> that was the whole point, huh? Just that one time he did a thing that he wasn't too proud of. <laughs> I guess and so. He felt kind of bad about it. Well, as he was describing it, I was like, oh, oh Ryan's the principal from Breakfast Club. I see what's happening. <laughs> but it sounds like he got there in the moment. He got to that same conclusion. You know, the scene where he keeps telling Bender that he's earned himself another day, and Bender keeps uh-huh. going, so? No! You know, the good acting from the film yeah, The Breakfast it, Club. It's a beloved film. I know that much. Um, it's funny because what I was thinking the whole time was Ryan would not like the way I play Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I really make a just a, just an absolute fool of the people at the dockyards in Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Plus, you're always I'm walking around to... fucking interrupting people, which is outrageous. Well, I do that too, but also I'm just like fucking slamming uh, cheetahs and uh, <laughs> stallions uh, and stallions and shit just uh, all through those dockyards. Toyolas. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. My Batsus. I really wreck up the place there. So Yeah. I'm glad he was not assigned to um you know, to uh San Andreas duty. Yeah, that's right. That would well that would have been a tough one no matter what. There's just a lot going on out there. San yeah, Andreas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been a long time since I played any Grand Theft Auto. I did get the urge to when you were describing uh specifically <laughs> the fake makes of cars made me want to play it again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, me too, but um, uh, who knows if they're ever going to release an actual single-player Grand Theft Auto again. It don't seem like it. I think it's just Grand Theft Auto Online till the end of time. Um, Yeah, it's like they don't understand that I need to be the antisocial one in Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. I can't be on a server with the actual people in the world. No, I don't want to see them or be around them. I don't want to get um, ambushed coming out of the casino by them. And <laughs> I don't want to get ambushed coming out of my high-rise apartment by them. Yeah. And all the other ways you can be ambushed. I don't. That's not what I want to do. I don't want to be like, what if today I just, I'm just going to take that motorcycle and ride it down the highway? I'm not doing anything. I'm not after anything. And then a dude in a fucking jet just blows me up. <laughs> That's right. 
You know what I mean? Like, I'm not always laser focused in a Grand Theft Auto. Sometimes I'm no. just driving around. Yeah, sometimes you just, you, you don't have any task in at, uh, in mind. And you just get out there and you hit the open road. And you're right. Sometimes a fucker's in a jump jet. Yeah, just a fucking tank just rolls out into the middle of the highway. <laughs> and it's like, this is not what I was doing today. Yeah, I didn't want to deal with any of this. Uh, I'm sorry, is that guy in a uh, jet cycle? He's flying around in the air on a motorcycle. What? We don't have those. What's happening? But I do want to go and spin. Is this supposed to make me want to get a shark card now? What am I supposed to do here? (laughs) I played like two straight months of daily playing of Grand Theft Auto. This was many years ago now. Because you could go to the casino every day and spin the wheel and get random prizes. And sometimes they were cars and sometimes it was just money or outfits or whatever. But like the loot boxiness of it was enough to keep me coming back. But I couldn't, ju- I couldn't deal with all the fucking people, especially because everyone knew that's what people were playing for. So there would be like nine pitched battles <laughs> happening right outside the casino every single fucking time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really bounced off the online mode. It's like, just not great. I, I reinstalled Grand Theft Auto Five on my like I played it initially on the Xbox One, and mm-hmm. then and then I re I bought it again and reinstalled it on the on my PC. And then I just played the single-player campaign again. Yeah. Uh, the single-player in Grand Theft Auto is always great. And so far, the um, multiplayer online portion has not been so exciting. And um, I guess we should probably get to Star Trek. <sighs> All right. Uh, you know how this project goes. Yep. <laughs> Uh, we talk about the worst finishing show from last week first. Uh, it's always Voyager. As, as occasionally <laughs> happens, it's Voyager. So this week we're going to start uh, by discussing Survival Instinct. Voyager. <clears throat> okay, I had to describe this one. Uh... Uh, a Borg ship crashes, some Borgs survive, and one of them is our good friend, Seven of Nine. So I'm, this is a flashback of some kind. Uh, she barks out orders, and the drones move out. I guess Eight and eight and Nine of Nine must have beefed it or something. <clears throat> oh, you think the higher number gives the orders? I think that's how she had previously explained it when she made Harry Kim two of ten or whatever, and he was very upset. <laughs> Uh, Voyager has docked at a, uh, I think they said Barconian outpost. I wasn't paying attention. And the ship is... I have it Marconian with an M, but okay. I, honestly, I don't think it matters. I'm not sure if any of the people we meet are Marconians. No, it's, uh, well, it's a Babylon 5 type, you know. Right. With, uh, uh the dregs of the galaxy. All Except everything happens on Voyager. We never go to the Zocalo. No. That's too bad, too, because you can play Zocalo music. Um... Anyway, I shared the idea with you that every time they go to the Zocalo, it should just be Midnight Oil playing, right? I mean, that's the right music. That's that's the right Cause, feel. Because it's weird sounding, and also, anytime you catch a reference, you're like, I don't know what that, that might as well be. That's alien, change. yeah, that's definitely Australian some... Australian politics might as well that's be. That's some drowsy bullshit. I don't know what these yeah. fucking talking about. Um. Anyway, the ship's full of new alien guests, and the guests have brought gifts. Everyone's so nice, they just keep bringing gifts. Anyway... Uh, Tuvok is cranky about the rowdiness of the guests. And um, 
I mean, they have been pretty rowdy. There's like three pages of uh, of security reports that he gives to Janeway. Uh, the creep from Nightwatch on on Babylon Five shows <laughs> up with a briefcase full of like Borg synaptic relays, and he shows them to Seven and Nine when she's trying to sit down with her little friend, the Wildman baby, or whatever. And Seven freaks out and agrees to purchase them. And then the creep starts mind talking to uh, the, uh, some chick <laughs> on board. This is a great episode, by the way. And it was so I was very like you, very excited when the mind talking started. <laughs> Clearly, another former Borg that he was linked to. They're doing some Borg hive nonsense, uh, uh-huh. but not quite the way the Borg do it. Uh, another flashback. Uh, well, listen, this week the Borg just talked to each other with their mouths. So <laughs> there was a lot of I've, honestly, there were in, so many pages of lines between in these the boards. flashback. They were just talking to each other constantly with their mouths. And it's like, all right. I guess no their Borg, mind interface. No had Borg broken. drones spoke at all <laughs> until Hugh opened his mouth in an episode we haven't gotten to yet. But like no, that but was because he was talking to non-Borgs, right? That must be coming up though, isn't that a season five joint? That's uh, is it? No, this yeah, is no, it's two, it's two weeks from now. Oh, yeah, we're coming up right. on it. Yeah, no, these do they? There's so much banter between these Borgs. Uh, anyway, flashback. Oh, no, man, sorry. One of the drones. Well, we're yeah. going to get to this in a minute, but um, next week is Imaginary Friend. <laughs> I saw that. I saw the screenshot pop up after I was done with the episode. <laughs> she Marjan had just said to me, the only way this episode would have worked is if Alexander was in it. And then the fucking screenshot popped up and I went, well, you're in luck next week. <laughs> he gets a few cameos in that one. Um, he really should have been around. Can you imagine if he was around and he was asking her, like, are you really okay with this? And Yeah, <laughs> Yep, because like he, he got the, to the root of Loxana Troy's issues yeah, last week. From the mouths of babes, man, he would have been like, hey, you know, it sounds like you didn't get a choice in any of this stuff. Hey, I'm two, but this seems fucked up. This seems awful in a real 1960s kind of way. Yeah, no, I get that it's all you've ever known. That's part of what's fucked up <laughs> yeah, about Yeah, that's it. actually what I'm talking about. Anyway, yeah. two. I'm two. I'll see you later. <laughs> anyway, I gotta uh, go be a little liar. <laughs> I stole. I'm gonna go steal a dinosaur toy or some shit. Nah, there's some good stuff down there these days. I stole a few <laughs> relics, some masks. Uh, I got a lot of stuff that I'm starting to work on now. I never really know what I'm gonna do till I do it. <laughs> uh, all right. Flashback. One of the drones on that crash site gets. Uh, it starts to get its individuality back. Starts to remember stuff about his past. But Seven is uh, is there to to enforce order and shit and then in the present seven refuses to admit that she has any emotional reaction to the past as balana suggests so there's a lot going on here when seven goes to regenerate these now three x-drones begin their weird commando plan they're gonna reroute the sensors and then they go, they go to do something to Seven, but Tuvok catches on, and he and a couple of gold shirts stun the weird collective of three. Yep. Flashback to all the drones remembering hella shit now about their past, and all out loud and all at once. But, and I want to, I want to make it clear, what they're not doing is the card game from... Uh... No, they're, <laughs> they're not doing for cause and effect. 
cause and effect. No, there's no camera tricks. There's nothing happening at all. They just they just keep going like this. Uh, Jack, one time, deuce. one ah, uh, geez, I I told I I gave Roadhead one time. I just remembered <laughs> it. Oh, oh man, geez. that's oh, me. What a thing to flash into that's your mind. That's me, I guess. Oh God, I was a lot lizard. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Just a lot of stuff. Oh, all, the indignity of it. All coming up at once. In the present, Shmolus explains that these three have only been free of the collective for like a few months. And uh, they got their own weird little collective now. And, but it is torture to them. And yet here they are, tens of thousands of light years away from where that <laughs> ship crashed. <laughs> no explanation. <laughs> Uh, they need to break free and become true individuals because they're all up in each other's heads all the time and not in a comforting way like when it's fucking billions of people. It's in a not comforting way. And, um, I don't know. They thought Seven would know what's happening, but instead of just asking her, they did a commando plan. Whoops. Anyway. (laughs) Um, she does not know what is going on, but she does agree to help. Um, that more explanation of how it feels to be three. So they talk a lot about that in this episode. Finishing each other's sentences and bullshit. After some bullcrap about Harry and TP getting hammered and fighting random aliens, Seven comes in with a risky plan to help these three figure out how to break their link. Um, I guess it's risky because she might get caught in their collective? Is that the risk? Janeway suggests that Seven is taking that big risk because she considers them family. Even though in the flashback, all we ever saw was her telling them to shut up and grow up. <laughs> Seven. She was a baby when she was kidnapped. <laughs> she was, she was just a just a little kid when she became a, a Borg. She was just the size of Naomi Wildman, <clears throat> who is also two. Don't think about it. <laughs> Seven then tells the Wildman baby that she considers her family in uh, one of them walk and talks, those famous Star Trek walk and talks. Seven gets all linked up, and uh, then they all finally remember everything that happened before that the three drones wanted to leave the collective and to try to like get away and evade them, but Seven wanted to rejoin the collective, so she hunted the other three down. She really did. <laughs> like fucking Predator. And I mean, yeah, it's probably Predator is the best <laughs> reference, but I always think of uh, Crichton hunting in Pride and Prejudice land. <laughs> yes, like that. Just fucking blow darting the characters from Jane Austen novels. And then she relinked them together so that they'd have like a weird little collective. Um, And then they were all reabsorbed once they got to the, the real Borgs. But that's why when they were separated, they still had this little... Uh, this little collective. Anyway, they freak out with anger, and they sever their link to Seven, and they all go into shock. And this is where the Doctor lays it out for her, sci-fi style. He says, either they die here, or they go back to the collective. There is no other choice. I don't know what to do with them. I'm a Doctor, but and that's also, it. I don't got time to work on this, so I'm busy. I can pull the shit you put into their heads out of their heads, and then in a month they're gonna die. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know. Or they go I'm back not working to the on boards. this tomorrow is what I'm saying, so <laughs> yeah. make your choice. <laughs> I gotta know by five o'clock. I'm going to Sandrine's. Finally gonna get a hot date with uh, uh, this uh, French lesbian or something? Nine. I don't know. Oh, Tom yeah. Paris said she's uh, 
She's slutty. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Seven has to decide to kill them, which would suck, since she's the one who fucked them up in the first place, or send them back to the Borg, which uh, she knows they wouldn't want. So she does what anyone would do and asks Chakotay. Yeah. <laughs> she tells her that she should let them live their short lives as individuals. But Shmolus, now he's invested. He says, no, 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 no. You should keep, they should live at uh, all costs, even if it's as a drone. And for some reason, she has to convince Shmolus that mere survival is insufficient. The reason is it's a very clumsy episode. <laughs> yes. I couldn't tell whose choice it was. It was weird when it was her choice. I was like, I wanna, just because she knows them, she gets to decide this? I'm confused. I want to say this. It's not morally execrable, and it's attempting more than the Deep Space Nine this week, but it's <laughs> extremely clumsy. Yep. Anyway, she uh, because she gets to decide, not them, I don't understand, they are severed, and they are happy about that fact, even though they'll each be dead soon. <laughs> yep. They go their separate ways. I mean, one of them stays on Voyager, but they're each going to beef it just so soon that we'll never see them again. Yeah, plus she says to Seven, I'm also I'm not uh, not interested in hanging around with you, so... Yeah, you're trash. I'll go, I'll go die in my quarters. Uh, this Neelix seems really exciting, though. I'm going to go hang out with him, but you stay away from me. I heard he is into ladies with a short lifespan. <laughs> It's weird that that's the kind of thing you can know about someone this soon after meeting them, but it did he come said, up. It came up. He said it has something to do with issues about his family and his sister, but I didn't... Listen, I don't have time to get into it, so I don't care why. Also, I must have missed something, because I thought he said his sister Florida, and that doesn't seem like the right... That's... That could be the right name. Uh, Naomi Wildman comes to Astrometrics to comfort Seven. The end. <clears throat> what was the take? What is the premise of this episode? Yeah, I mean, I suppose you have to give them credit for survival is not sufficient here. Mm -hmm. um, this is a story about Seven having imposed assimilation on these people because she was afraid for her own survival and mm -hmm. afraid of being alone because she was mentally nine. And it's the first time they've talked about it. And don't worry, they probably won't talk about it again. Yep. Uh, she was reverting to the sort of childlike emotions and then contrasting that to her more grown-up nuanced understanding of individuality. Oh, yeah, she's um, like 11 now, mentally. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, the show has gone out of its way to ignore that and not think about those feelings and the fact that she's, she's kind of doing a little growing up as an individual, not just getting away from the Borg, but that's not this episode's fault. Yeah. Um, but just like last week in Cost of Living, who thinks that survival is enough? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we'll talk <laughs> like, about So I have the same take, right, because I think that we're, yeah. they were pretty clear about that. And honestly, they were so clear, they've probably got a bonus point. But, yeah. but like, uh, they, I, I guess we have to compare the collective to, like, what, human slavery? Well, like, what is the version yeah. of this that I'm supposed to be worried about that I'm comparing this to? Is it, like, surviving but in a vegetative state? Yeah, it's the problem well, is that is there's it? no clear analog. There's no way to help us understand that. And they, and then they're sort of flirting with a euthanasia idea here mm -hmm. with this also. But then clearly they didn't want to get bogged down into that discussion. So they just like fucking put it off for a month yeah. when we want. We'll be doing something else. We'll, we'll be, be on, on a, a different, different kind of horror story. Um, 
so you know uh yeah you know what in my mind i must have given it some extra points for being clear for being on clear it because, yeah. which we used because to do a lot my initial ruling on this is that it's a four but i did give cost of living a two um <laughs> So let's meet in the middle there, and I'll just give it three. Okay. Um, well, I had the exact same take, and I gave it a five. Okay. Um, well, all right, then I'll go back to a four. I think that that's probably the right way to handle it. Yeah, that. I gave it a bonus point for being very clear what it was trying to talk about, even if it was not very good at it. Um, and also, by the way, even if it only gets around to that right at the end. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of the episode is not really about that, although it is, there are hints. It's worked in, right? Like. Mm-hmm even before you get to the flashback where you learn that they wanted to get out of the collective and seven dragged them back in. Yeah. Uh, these are three people who then used their special power to find a way to break out of the board collective. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I'll just move into execution. Cause we already talked about the take. Uh, I, so again, I gave it a five um, execution. I, I was pretty bored by the episode mostly it was clear from the beginning that seven turned on the other three in the past one because we already know she was pretty all in on the borg yes and two she was already kind of trying to keep them in line in the first flashback so there wasn't a lot of mystery about what was going to happen there and without that it didn't have much else the great sci-fi writing with an extremely clear choice between life and the collective, uh, life and the collective or death as an individual. It's like when Spock says this is either the cure or a uh, vial of <laughs> death or whatever he says. Yes. You go, okay, great. I'm glad that's all. Those are the only choices. That's good. But what about the time when McCoy knew that one of the four vials? <laughs> <laughs> there are no other possible remedies. Please do not ask. Um, Enough of the Wildman baby. Get it together. Like, is this a sexy show with big boobies and butt cracks, or is this a show for kids? I don't know what they want. I, why we got so much Wildman baby in here? Uh, just a three for me. Do you think uh, she'll ever show up in Lower Decks and she'll, she'll have a real confused adult sexuality and she'll be like, yeah... Uh, I didn't hang around with my mom much, weirdly, and never said. Instead, I spent most of my time with this emotionless vamp. It was a really, it's like. Just sexed up as hard as you can. Just like, like, I don't want to go into it with you guys because I'm still unpicking a lot of it in therapy. But But I'm talking like huge, chunky heels and you could see her butt crack all the time and she had her boobs all pushed up and everything. And anyway, I'm way too sexual and I understand that. And maybe that's why I hang out with the dolphins so much. But uh... (laughs) I love the dolphins in Lower Decks. (laughs) One of them is just Matt. Yes, (laughs) Matt the dolphin. Uh, <laughs> sorry, you gave it a three. Yeah, three for me. <laughs> um, parts of this episode work. Uh, Seven snapping at Torres, but then sort of recognizing that she had gone too far and apologizing. And uh, someone finally coming to terms with the idea that being assimilated as a child and being assimilated as an adult would have different outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, some things worked less well. 
no one explains why Seven has any legal authority to make medical decisions uh-huh. for these ex-Borg. It can it's just that be, she knows them. Yes, it can only be Janeway's making things right theory <laughs> of law, right? <laughs> That's right. You're like the one Janeway who fucked just, them in the first place. Now you get we to We don't decide. see a scene, but there's a scene where Janeway walks in and says, Seven's call. She the fucked them hard the first time. She can unfuck them if she wants. And the doctor says, what? She's their attacker. And then uh, <laughs> and then Janeway's like, that's why it's her call. Good. See, we're on the same page. <laughs> Hold on a second. I, if I saw an instant looking at me wrong, I'm going to go fucking shoot that guy in the dick. Uh, and when they talk about when the doctor then reverses and comes to terms or and, and comes in swinging hard saying, you know, I'm a die, I can't kill these people. It ignores the fact that these people have an extremely clear track record of trying to achieve individuality. Like it's their only goal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Even though the last speech from, and you didn't say any of their names, but the woman is yeah. named Marika. I don't remember. And she's that. Bajoran. The speech is not well executed. <clears throat> Uh, it does make sense that she can't just forgive Seven in that moment. But also some stuff doesn't work. The whole B-plot, the tennis racket game, Janeway basking in her weird little cultural exchange. None yeah. of that is doing work as far as I'm concerned. So while this wasn't one of the worst Voyagers. No, there are so many that are worse than this one, actually. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really a standard. I gave it four for execution. All right, world building. Uh, a little bit of Borg business. Uh, we see someone else who was clearly uh, assimilated in the Alpha Quadrant. It's really shameful at this point. Yeah. The idea that now it's just a question of why Why did the brass not tell Picard about the Borg? Yeah. Why, when he rolled up there, was it he was just a like, big what secret, is this? clearly. And then he had to go talk to Guinan, and Guinan was like, this is new. This is a new thing that you are not equipped to handle. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. Uh... It's not a world-building exercise. I gave it two points. I agree, too. Yeah. These friendly aliens, these friendly rowdy boys. Um, uh, yeah, a little bit about what happens to drones who get disconnected from the collective. Just like you said, this lady was on the Excalibur mm-hmm. when she was uh, When the taken. only Bajora we'd heard of were maybe <laughs> Rolaren and Cito Jackson. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there weren't a ton of them hanging around in back in those days, so... <clears throat> Whenever it was, I don't know. I mean, it, it, there there were others, right? Because Ro Laren says that some had changed the, their name order to assimilate with the Federation, right? So, yep. Ro Laren is definitely not supposed to be the first Bajoran in Starfleet. Yeah. Yeah, so a two for me. Characterization. <clears throat> Tuvok is grumpy about these aliens. They're bringing their shit on board and they're doing crimes. Uh, and it all stinks to him. He's a, everyone he's else is very happy, and he can smell it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. He can smell everything, including their crimes. Um, Harry and TP got drunk and fought some aliens. Yep. What did that have to do with anything? Why did Nothing. that happen? Nothing. And then Janeway's proud of them that they won the fight. Yes, Janeway gets a, a jingoistic thrill from Harry and uh-huh. TP beating up some aliens randomly. On the station. What the fuck is wrong with her? It's like it's supposed to mirror the scene in The Trouble with Tribbles where... But they fought the Kirk is Klingons the, who they exactly. were like at it's war very, with. It's extremely different. It's different in almost uh, every particular uh, way. Uh, yeah. Seven feels something. 
about her past. It's unclear what she's thinking about. But um, she thinks of Naomi Wildman as family. And she does come to regret what she did to these turds eight years ago. But she was in a tough spot, man. Just a little kid. Suddenly woke up a bork. That's a tough one. It is. That's that's absolutely a tough putt. Like, I remember, like, when I was a kid, you guys ran me over on that ATV. I don't think I was on the ATV. And I can only imagine (laughs) how close her anguish came to mine. (laughs) Like, it was, like, she must have been almost as upset as me. Yeah. One time in Montana, the wheel of an ATV rolled over your leg. <laughs> for sure. Did, did it break? No. I couldn't think of any tragedies. Though. I couldn't think yeah. of any any real tragedies <laughs> in my childhood. Um. Anyway, I gave it a three. <laughs> um, no, I guess I liked it even one better. Um. Usually on this show, Seven's role is to storm into Janeway's office and say, what the fuck are you doing? Like, she usually has the moral high ground. So Mm -hmm. it's a nice touch for her to have to come to terms with some things she did emotionally that she can't really justify after the fact. On the other hand, I didn't think the scenes with Naomi about being family were particularly strong. They felt like plot beats that belonged in a different episode. Because the idea of family is, it's like just whispered on top of this one. It is not really a part of the (laughs) plot. The idea that these people are her family. She definitely never seems like they are family. No. Even though Janeway suggests it. I mean, they were in the same Unimatrix, but. um, That just feels like she was, that was some people for her to boss around. Yeah, it's like, uh, come on, man. You guys work together for like. Eight or nine months. What are you talking about? Of course they're family. Yeah. The only other character that really has a scene is Schmullis, but it's not about him. And it's not clear how he ultimately feels about the idea. Everyone has suddenly been parroting at the end of the last season and the start of this one that he's developed beyond his programming. Yep. It doesn't feel like that's an idea that's coming from him. No. It makes me it makes me wonder if he's like an AI chatbot. And everyone's talking a lot of mess about how good and advanced they are. Uh-huh. But, like, if you told the AI chatbot that, it would be like, oh, now that you told me that, that's a really good point. I agree with that. And you're like, oh, never mind. It's not so smart. <laughs> if it was smart, I would have considered that before, I think. Uh-huh. Oh, speaking of which, uh, we should have talked about it. Bing is just all over the place right now, man. It's getting its time in the spotlight. <laughs> yeah, the official of search talk. engine of this show. And it's because it's got a robot on it now, and the robot scares everyone. So, as always, Bing is doing it just right. It's like, we got the scariest robots! And Google's robot shit the bed so bad that Google's market value (laughs) went down by like a billion dollars, so... (laughs) But Bing does it different, man. They're like, yeah, we're gonna show you the nastiest pictures, and also our robot's fucking scarier than theirs. You come in here, you ask it some questions, you're gonna leave, and you're you're not gonna sleep. You're just going to stare at the ceiling all night wondering about existence. It's going to bother you. Yeah, but anyway, you know, it'll help you find a recipe or whatever. Sorry, I just just felt like we should talk about Bing. (laughs) We are Bing advocates on this show, not uh, paid 
being advocates, of course, but I mean, you know, enthusiastic amateurs. It's a form of payment. I feel like the enjoyment that I get from Bing is almost as good as cold hard cash. Please put that on your testimonials, Bing. Uh, all right. Would you say a four? Yeah, it's a four for me. All right, quick hitters then. Uh, the sacred game that Chicote wheels into Janeway's office looks like some kind of fancy tether ball. <laughs> yep. But instead uh, of Janeway- instead of ball, a ball that goes around the poles is a bunch of rackets. <laughs> Janeway refers to her. Uh, cultural exchange program here as an unqualified success, but she's holding three pages of today's police blotter. <laughs> she doesn't, she didn't really think about what unqualified meant. Yeah. Uh, on today's menu in the mess hall, Neelix is serving marsupial pouches. Mm. No, that's as specific as it gets. Yeah. Do you think the tastiest part of the marsupial is the pouch? Um, I mean, I don't, but also... You think they, is he stuffing it? Yeah, he's must be putting something in that pouch. It must be like a Hot Pocket, but the outside is not flaky crust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nasty old tough marsupial pouch. Janeway gives a log entry that says, Security concerns aside, and Katie immediately said, Why do I get the feeling that's what the episode will be about? <laughs> no, we weren't lucky enough. I mean, there, there's a heist. The first 20 minutes are a heist, but still. Uh, yeah, again, a heist for an insane plan that didn't make it. It was like the Binars. They're like, you would have said no. Yep. That was these fuckers, too. They were like, we went on a heist. Why? I don't know. We thought you might know something. <laughs> like, oh, you could. You probably could have asked her, though. Uh, this week, the Borg talk to each other and stay, say stuff like, agreed, and there are no individuals here. <laughs> I, I too am a Borg. No, I am. I I am actually a Borg. It's like they were trying to convince each other. Um, How long has Bellana Torres been curling her hair? Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I haven't been paying much attention to It's just different hair this week, I guess. As long as her ridges stay the same, because once she starts messing with that, she's gone too far. How lucky were these... Um, were these three that Seven's al- Seven's uh, little quarters on Voyager have four Borg alcoves in them? <laughs> I know. By the way, I have no idea if that's consistent. Oh, I know yeah. there I, were multiple I, I alcoves. For sure, was not going back, but I was like, "Are there? There really are just four of them, huh? Why would uh, she need four? She only <laughs> uses the one. Maybe there were four the whole time. I don't know. To look into it. Um. I gave best actor to uh, Janeway when the plant gets her hair, and worst actor to uh, Admiral Forrest as a Borg. (laughs) He wasn't good, for sure. Yeah, it's just like, I know it's gotta be hard to play a Borg, especially when they mostly don't talk, Uh, Yeah, but he's he's extremely wooden, and... uh, also, you know, and he, I liked him better as Admiral Forrest. And I liked him better when he said, what's it going to be, Chief? <laughs> when he's trying to give him that armband. Yeah. And then, you know, Garibaldi gets to do his best Bruce Willis. Not like full-on dementia Bruce Willis. Like pre, <laughs> wow. Pre-dementia Bruce Willis. 
Free dimensional Mi- Michael Garibaldi, too. <laughs> did he get dementia before he went? I don't remember. I don't think he did, but, you know. <laughs> uh, what about you? Did you have any quick hitters for this one? Uh, Barjan said she liked this better than this week's TNG, so that, that's something. Because <laughs> she normally picks TNG over everything. I don't know if I liked it better. Um, <clears throat> I mean, there is something. But just a, a lot to ahead, hate. I did score it higher. There's a lot to hate about the TNG this week, for sure. Uh, that was it. <clears throat> well, that's what we're going to talk about next. Oh, good. Second place last week was TNG. This week we watched The Perfect Mate. <laughs> the Enterprise is hosting a ceremony of reconciliation between the warring states of Krios and Vault Minor. Mm. And... Ambassador Briam of Krios asks that his special special cargo that he's so concerned about uh, be declared off-limits until he can give it to the Valtese. And anyway, Picard doesn't do that. Uh, Enterprise gets a distress call from a Ferengi shuttle, and Picard gives orders to intercept. They manage to beam the two Ferengi off before it explodes. Um, but then these two guys laugh in their quarters and say <laughs> that was too easy, so, you know. <laughs> Already you're just like... Oh, okay, so these guys had a crazy plan. Okay. Their crazy plan was to nearly die in their shuttle. Yeah, yeah. They got lucky. I mean, uh, you know. I, I yeah, don't if it's the it wrong was. security, I mean, uh, transporter chief down there, they're fucked. Exactly. I don't think it was O'Brien today, but what if No, it was that's what O'Brien I mean. If it was O'Brien, there? they're fucked. And he misinterpreted Picard's call. <laughs> And he's like, ah, it's the middle of a, we're in the middle of a negotiation here. I'll just tell Picard couldn't get him in time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, At least I don't Jordy have to clean up their nasty little troll corpses. <laughs> I don't want, I'm not dealing with this today. Jordy <laughs> uh, shows the ambassador uh, his recreation of the Temple of Admiral Akbar, which looks to me like a fancy bathroom. <laughs> it does. It looks like a fancy uh like a hotel or a conference center bathroom or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. But while they're touring the facility, one of the Ferengi is sneaking around the cargo bay, while the other, Parlanor, introduces himself and generally cackles it up. Yeah, is that the one played by Rom? Is that Rom? Yeah, that's Rom. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Picard calls Worf and asks him to rein them in, but by the time they get to the cargo bay, the other guy is like, up on barrels and he fucks up the whole pod it collapses real slow like the hindenburg and then it opens up and it's <laughs> dang old jean gray in there i can't stop thinking about this ferenki plan <laughs> it's unbelievable <laughs> first we hope that they beam us out in time so our shell doesn't explode and kill us both and then like i don't know i'm gonna like try to touch the egg or something i don't I know he was just scanning i'm it. gonna I'm get up real sure close to it, it to be open <laughs> got him so close to it but yeah he fucking rolled a big barrel full of probably nasty poison right over and stood on it <laughs> fucking moron hey i was just thinking when i see those big uh the temple sets that they have in this show like the fancy bathroom we were just talking about uh-huh how, how full of uh uh fucking antiques and relics that appeared in riker's quarters that place must be Oh yeah, like we need to ask our boy uh, York or whatever. <laughs> oh yeah, he, I to know hit he that one hard. To, uh, no, he's still he in season three. Perfect mate yet, but <laughs> no. what he does, I'm sure every every prop in there will have been used as something else it's, previously. They've all at least been in Riker's quarters once. <laughs> uh, well, also uh, that guy's been super busy lately. He got um, 
he's in the credits on the uh, first episode of Picard season three. As oh, like yeah. Some kind of special research assistant. Somebody finally <laughs> put that guy to work and said, uh, actually, no one knows more about like the design aspects of Star Trek than this guy because he's fucking spent six weeks on each episode just screenshot after screenshot. Either the guy who designed the new Alcar's color scheme, maybe. Maybe. There's been a lot of talk about that. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah, anyway, it's Famke Jansen in there. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> Picard gives her a big, goofy smile while Lawrence of Arabia music plays for some reason. <laughs> also, she's like 8% more Dutch than in future times when I see her. Oh, yeah. her. <laughs> she's slightly more Dutch. Between this, which I think was her first appearance in, uh, in American media and... Her later appearance in X-Men, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does do some uh, accent coaching. She yeah. goes through some accent coaching because she she is rocking a pretty crazy accent. Uh, the first thing she does is walk right to Picard and, and she says, I am for you, Ulrich of Vault. And that wipes the smile right off Picard's face. <laughs> because I guess he had momentarily forgotten that she is on this ship as cargo. Yeah, he did momentarily forget like everyone in this fucking episode. He just saw her and got a stirring in his old gray loins. <laughs> and then she fucking dead named him like that. Can you believe that? Yeah, he doesn't go by that anymore. I'm not. I don't I don't know what year. That's not. <laughs> Been a long time since anybody called me that. Her name is Kamala. And she uh, is an empath. And as she describes herself, a gift. Mm. Uh, Riker and Picard are not into it. At that moment, right there in the holodeck. Sure, not at that moment. Yeah. Revelation. <laughs> and, um, but there's like some kind of Helen of Troy-like story about the kidnapping of a metamorph that set these two nations warring against each other a thousand years ago, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. She's the first female metamorph born on Krios in like a hundred years and giving her to the ambassador, to this other guy, is like the key to making peace. Mm, I mean, that's what this guy says. That's what this old yeah. fuck says. I say the first female metamorph because they th- there's a throwaway line in there about male metamorphs are very common. So, yeah, don't worry about it. Those are basically free. That's a co- yeah. cost a buck, you know. Yeah. So th- so we're not. This is not a sexist thing. Uh, and what is a metamorph? Good question. <laughs> uh, she apparently can read the minds of men around her. And she changes to become the perfect mate for whoever she's with empathically until the fucking clock strikes 12 and then her personality freezes in place and she'll be like that forever. Yeah, then it takes. Even she's not sure when, but it'll take at some point. Well, once she says that she's there voluntarily, Picard has Riker taken to quarters, and that seems like a wild call on a ship that also has data. Uh, it's almost, uh, for a second, I wondered if he was doing what Troy did when he sent Riker to that laser lady. <laughs> was he sending Riker there to fuck her out of her out of her <laughs> mind so that she wouldn't want to do this anymore or something? Was he like, go wake her up. Go wake her up, Will. Picard's playing Will? a kind of sexual 3D chess. and It's my ship, Will. Listen, I know this sounds crazy, but he one time almost convinced an assassin who had changed everything about her face, body, and personality <laughs> and stopped aging temporarily. He almost talked her out of killing this dude. <laughs> I mean, he didn't, and in the end, he had to vaporize her. I mean, he I did. <laughs> Although now... And also, I was right there. Could have shot me. 
there's 16 settings on a phaser. And he tried, like, setting one and setting two, and then he just went to setting 16. Yeah, if he had missed her, everyone would have been dead. (sighs) That was pointed right at me. Anyway. Did you see how I didn't move a muscle, though? I was pretty cool about it. Well, Riker gets there and does some kissing, but then he remembers that uh, she's property, and he says something about he doesn't like the idea of opening another man's gift. <sighs> then he goes to Holodeck 4, and everyone knows why. Exactly right. <laughs> By the way, this is where I named my notes. Stop kissing my dad. He's married. <laughs> Subtitle, to my mom. <laughs> yeah. So so many points in this episode, he looked just like my dad. <laughs> It was rough. Uh, anyway, it turns out that everyone who's ever reviewed this really enjoys the line where he leaves her quarters and calls the bridge and says, if I'm needed, I'll be on holiday four. <laughs> yep. Uh, at breakfast, Beverly tells Picard this lady has obviously been groomed and also she's been confined to her quarters by the Creosian ambassador. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know about that part. He doesn't have any answer, really, for the first thing. But he didn't know about that part. So I he mean, goes he to does talk some shit it. where he starts to defend the whole thing. He starts to talk about arranged marriages have been a blah, blah, uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a typical Picard attitude. Yep. Uh, she spouts some racial essentialism at him. But, I mean, she's probably just repeating what's been told to her. Yeah. When he shows up. Ulrich says if he lets her out, every man on the ship will be fighting for her. And now Picard remembers that Data exists. <laughs> yeah, so he should have gone in step one, for sure. Yeah. So Data takes her to 10 forward, <laughs> where she gets hit on by a bunch of gross miners that are also <laughs> hanging out on the ship this week. <laughs> it's kind of like Voyager. There's just a lot of people hanging out. And she puts on her one of the guys persona before Worf comes and uses his barn voice in front of a lady. Yeah, the first there's a guy who's there who's going, Let's all have sex with her, I said out loud. <laughs> Pass her around. <laughs> this is Star Trek. Yeah, and then Worf, Worf gets gruff. Uh, she gives him a real good growl, too. And then uh, if he'd said he was going to holodeck for it's ten points, but he didn't. <laughs> Uh, or if Jordy this... had been in the background and gave Worf a real disapproving look, like a shake <laughs> of his head. Because <laughs> uh, we know he's very judgmental about Klingon sex. Yeah. <laughs> Worf, is this what you call sex? Uh, uh, after this outing, she agrees to stay in her quarters if Picard will agree to come visit her there. And when he still demurs, she seduces him with her knowledge of archaeology and her research skills. Yes. She did go to Bing. For sure. But um, but still he refuses. Meanwhile, the two Ferengi have tried to bribe the ambassador. And when he goes to shout at him about it, uh, they throw him through one of these glass tabletops <laughs> that's never done anybody any good. <laughs> Those things are dangerous. They're extremely dangerous. And then they shout at him uh, over and over again, Ludugiel gold! <laughs> Idiot! It's the most pure gold in the universe, <laughs> which is a weird concept. Ludugiel! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Star Trek. 
Uh, Picard arrests them and they're out of the rest of the episode, but the ambassador is going to be unconscious for a few days. And um, because Kamala's puberty is a ticking clock, they can't postpone the conference. And now Picard's going to have to step in and take Brim's place. And of course, this also means that now he's going to have to spend time with Kamala so she can teach him how to play the fucking vibraphone. Hey, is Troy on vacation this week? Yeah, she ain't around. Troy's on vacation this week. Otherwise, she'd have to help Picard get ready for this shit. Yeah, Just like she memorized him. the sacred klaxon last time. <laughs> exactly. To, to help him learn a bug language <laughs> or to um, or to have a conversation with this lady. Yeah. Also about uh, empathy and sexuality, two, two areas that generally devolve to Counselor Troy in this show. <laughs> yep. But not this week. No. Uh, she is, so yeah, like I said, she teaches him to play the space vibraphone, talks about her hard upbringing, learning etiquette and music and probably sex stuff. Oh no, she explicitly yep. says sex stuff. Yeah, at the village where she was taken to when she was pulled away from her family when she was just a little kid. Yep, yep. Huh? And you know how she doesn't know what she's like alone because she's never been alone. Uh-huh. And she's into Picard, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah obviously. Uh... Now we finally meet Ulrich of Vault. His ship rolls up, and Picard goes to greet him. And he's a balding ginger, and he kind of doesn't care about any of the rituals that this guy was so worried about. Yep. And he kind of doesn't care about Kamala. No. He cares about he the nuts says, and bolts of the treaty. The guy's like, uh, Picard's like, uh, this other guy, this ambassador, said all this shit's very important. And the guy looks at Picard and goes, that guy's full of shit. And then he looks at the camera. Yep. And he says, full of shit. And then that they move on with their business, and it's like what? So we they just basically tell us that the first guy was just making shit up as he went along. Yep, that guy's worried about a bunch of nothing because what this guy cares about is the actual treaty that yeah, the actual shit they need to work out. And uh, by the way, I just want to say that everybody in the rest of the episode treats it as though this guy is a creep because of that somehow. Yep, he doesn't want the sex gift. Picard's like to they're like to, to see her spend her life with this man who cares more about the treaty wait a minute the treaty that ends the hundreds <laughs> the of years of war, war between these two war. states what was a planet war and became a space war it's pretty important to end that i would think he cares more about that than whether the woman that's being presented to him as property is good at sex ideas <laughs> that makes him a bad guy you get it that makes him the bad guy you know who wrote this <clears throat> um he goes back to kamala's quarters she asks him not to leave and makes him a cup of tea that doesn't even have sausages in it. Yeah. They talk about how he doesn't want to use her so that it's, you know, that makes it okay that he wants to use her. It's real right. Dan Harmon stuff. You get it. You all get it. Uh, Everyone gets it. <laughs> presumably they don't fuck, but maybe they do. Yeah. Um, Picard is distracted at breakfast with Beverly. That makes he's me got think Kamala. they did, except... You know he's not ready for the wild thing. He's not ready. We he made that. some excuse. He somehow got out of there with his pants around his ankles. Um. <laughs> anyway, he's in his feelings. But he puts on his dress uniform and goes to pick her up. And she's in her wedding dress. And whoops, she tells him the process is complete. And she bonded to him already. But um, she's going to be a good girl and play along. So Picard goes and hands her over to Ulrich. And they seal it with a kiss. And later Picard walks... Uh, Ambassador Brigham to the transporter room and Brigham's like, hey, by the way, they picked me for this because I'm 200 and my old balls are dried up. But <laughs> Too old to get aroused. How were you able to resist her? 
And Picard just says, have a safe trip and sends him on his way. Yeah. Yeah. The end. Ah, uh, yeah. What's it about? Uh, look, man. <laughs> we all have our duties. <laughs> this lady has got to give herself to Ulrich, even though she's imprinted on Picard, and Picard has to give her away, even though she made him hard with reliquary chatter. <laughs> we all must do our duty is a pretty cold take, but I couldn't find any more than that. I gave it a three. <clears throat> uh... Yeah. Um, like, it's my duty to talk about this fucking episode, even though I want to bury it with all those Atari cartridges of E.T. so that no one can ever find it again. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, obviously this is supposed to be about the nobility of self-sacrifice because by accident, Kamala <laughs> bonded with Picard, but she's going to do her duty to go off with boring old Ulrich. Mm-hmm. He didn't seem that bad to me. It seemed like, a, but... I don't know, like maybe you'd want to get to know him a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I'll give him a chance, man. Yeah. Some of us got a little more red in our hair. It's fine. Also, he's just a little busy. He's busy right now. <laughs> Maybe later on he'll be a really warm guy, but he's, you know, the space war. <laughs> um, But this episode also never <clears throat> presents a compelling alternative for her or anyone. Like, she's supposed to run off with Q like Vosh? Yeah. You know, like... <laughs> That's where Picard hides all those girlfriends. What's her other life going to be? So, um, yeah, I found it hard to give it a lot of points. I gave it three also. Yeah. Oh, what about Execution, where this episode really shined? (sighs) I mean, my main problem with this episode is the gimmick of it. Like, it it makes it impossible to understand at any point what Kamala wants. Yeah. Like, how do you understand a character who changes her nature depending on the company she keeps? How do you know what's in her best interest? Is any of this necessary? Like, it sets up the final tragedy, but would things have been any less tragic if it was just a story about someone who was groomed for this trophy role and yeah. through her interactions with the Federation crew comes to realize what's happened but knows that the alternative might be war? All right. What purpose does it actually serve except to maybe let Picard off the hook a little bit? Because it's important. Whoops. Now he wasn't just taken in with a fresh, hot 18 year old, but. Um, <laughs> You know, a woman who innately understands what he desires and becomes it in his presence biologically. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess what I'm asking is, is this a story about how it's okay for this older man to fall in love with this young woman who's been groomed to please older men because she's special and he put up a token resistance? Yes. And the other question I have is, do the writers intend Kamala to be a stand-in for all women? Uh, is this I about mean, some ex-girlfriend who's totally different now that she's with a new guy and like <laughs> who even is she is she really an empty shell i guess i I'm do not often of suspect that it's week. about some bitch they used to date yeah for sure <sighs> i give it a two i think um i don't think they did good work no they really didn't i don't think they did good work they didn't i also gave it a two man oh man a geek and nerd cranked himself every night writing this diarrhea splash. <laughs> Absolutely vile from start to finish. They have one of the characters, Beverly, as always, describe uh-huh. how awful all of it is just so they can be like, there, we pointed it out. Yep. And then they play it out like it's TOS. Yes. <laughs> like, then it's just on after that. Didn't, uh, didn't, Picard bang a, uh, didn't Kirk bang a slave? He did. 100% yeah. he did. Okay, cool. Yep. 
Um, they did some cursory shit like, you haven't been ordered to be here, have you? All right, she's like, no, 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 I really like it. And he's like, let's fucking slam. Fucking knew it. Fucking knew you were good to go. <laughs> uh, Picard stepped in to be chief pimp when this guy went over a table. Yep. Uh, the Ferengi make no fucking sense. Nothing about their plot makes any oh, fucking sense I didn't even mention all. their plan because it's impossible to understand how it could possibly have worked. Like, <laughs> I didn't know what was supposed to happen. What were they going to do gonna after they scanned the They were going to sell her to the, the highest bidder, but like how? tomorrow, right? Because the fucking clock is ticking. How, what were, how are they even going to capture their shuttle cup? Oh, that's right. They have a ship that they're going to meet. But like... Um, but, but like also, bud, how did they know she was there? How did they know she was there? How did they... Why does he got him? He brought her on board in secret in an egg. Why does he got? Why does he got to build that tower of shit that he's got to stand on? <laughs> why has he got to stand on Jenga to see her? Why, why doesn't his Picard instrument work from five feet away? Specifically asked him to. Hey, the Ferengi need to buy some better instruments because that oh, thing yeah, didn't work until he put like it in the egg. Right up to it. Yeah, it was exactly. in the fucking egg. <laughs> he brought a fucking probe thermometer, like you check to see if your Thanksgiving <laughs> turkey was cooked. <laughs> Everything that was happening with the Ferengi the whole time, I was just going, "What the fuck is happening?" This is a this is a candy thermometer. What does softball <laughs> stage mean? Uh, and then they attack that old man. I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, this ambassador going down over a table was embarrassing. Yeah, like I know he's old, but our boy must have been feeble. It turns and then, out he's two hundred. <laughs> they came back and wrote, "Oh shit, he's two hundred. Which did explain why going over that table was so bad for him. The only good thing is that, they, like you said, they give the token resistance. The crew is evolved enough not to purposely take part in the sex yes. trade. But, yes. like, everyone's a little bit guilty this week. So, yeah, just a two. Not amazing, guys. That's I can't believe that in the 90s look. that felt a lot better. I know the 90s were still pretty nasty. Yeah, I have to I have to imagine that everyone knew it was messed up, but I guess... Can they have Beverly say, like, this is all pretty messed up. But I guess you can still fall in love. Yeah, what the heart wants, what the penis wants, <laughs> is what I was told when I was young. Um, world building. The real victim here is Picard. If you think about it, he's sad now. It's not right. That lady should have stayed there and been his sex slave. I mean girlfriend. World uh, Krios and Vault Miner at war for fucking ever, bro. Nothing a little bit of sex slavery can't fix, though. Yeah. This biddy was taken when she was four and sequestered in a, some dang old village school. Where they probably made her learn calligraphy. Oh, you have to imagine. Some bullshit. Have some species been in space just for fucking ever? Just like thousands of years, but like they stopped advancing after they got there? Because it seems like these two planets have been at war for like one billion years or whatever, but they're just little turd planets that no one cares about. Uh, Like, by the way, Krios was also the planet where the Klingon governor accused the Enterprise of selling weapons to the rebels, to Creosian rebels. I guess the rebellion worked out. I wanted to ask whether it was the same Creos or whether the writer didn't know they'd already used that one. Yeah. Uh, empathic metamorphs with trill spots. They got them trill spots. Do you know, well, they got them trill spots. Um, they also wanted Famke Jansen to be Jadzia Dax. Oh, they saw her in those trill spots. 
They were like, uh, I mean, she Looks talks good in the spot, but she can read. So <laughs> no one else we've no one who's auditioned so far has been able to do that. I don't know. I guess she was unavailable, but also maybe Rick Berman was like, boobs aren't big enough. And then when they oh, brought Terry Farrell, her he was all like, day. I don't I don't know how to keep telling you guys this. Just fucking pat it out. I don't care. Just, <laughs> That's right. Just make her. What do you mean she's a model? Make her look like she has D cups. That's the only thing I care about. Victoria's Secret model, right? Is that what you mean? Because I don't want to hear any more about runway models. I don't want to hear it. Ludugil Gold. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> the Ferengi are dropped off at a starbase for holding. I guess they yep. didn't want to keep them in the brig there in case they, uh, I don't know, bribed their way out. I don't know. What, <laughs> what if there's more happen. scheme? I don't know. Yeah. All did he the... put them on a shuttle? They did not rendezvous with another ship. I don't know. I don't know how they. Yeah, they're probably free. I'm guessing they're free by now. <laughs> they got they just out. fucking sent them out there on the El Baz with some <laughs> random crewman. That crewman was not prepared. He didn't know they're stronger than they appear. He's just like, he doesn't know the names of any crewmen either, so he's like, I guess Simon Tarsis? I know him. Oh, what do you mean he... He's like, I am a nurse. What are you talking about? What do you mean they found him dead in his quarters? Oh, well. <laughs> uh, all the dumbass. Well, it turns out he was weak. <laughs> yeah, he was emotionally weak. Well, we saw that in the trial. You know, put his head in his hands. Riker had to whisper in his ears. What do you think Riker whispered in his ears? Hey, I've seen this on TV. Um, uh, I don't know what to say, man. Hey, do you legally have to answer that question? You do me a favor and act like this is really good stuff, okay? Thank you. But play it like it's good. Hey, I need to lean lean over here. I I thought I was good at this guy. defended Data one time, but... um, (laughs) This lady's tearing you up. Why don't you stand up for yourself, Simon? Honestly, I meant to read some law books or something, but I got this harp... In my quarters. Well, it's not a harp. It's I've been calling it a relaxation light. Everyone seems real jazzed about those, so I don't, tell, I don't tell them about it's the harp. Two ladies no in togas playing the harp. Anyway, you're embarrassing me, Tarsies. Keep it together, man. Um, all the dumbass ceremonies that only this one ambassador even cares about. Yep. Picard can not only take over for ceremonial shit for this ambassador, but he can bargain on his behalf, too. And everyone's really enthusiastic about it. Also, I don't know if Picard called Krios to clear that. <laughs> Is this another one of those things he just decided out there on his own? <laughs> well, Kamala was all, was all for it, so... Listen, he has broad-reaching powers as captain of a starship, I guess. He can yeah. marry people and he can do all this shit. He's like, what? She's like, why don't you do it? And he's like, oh, I don't know. That seems hard. And she's like, no, no, no. We can do it. And he's like, then I shall. And you are, as a, as a representative of Krios, you have given me permission. <laughs> yeah, also bear in mind, she could read his mind and she knew what he wanted when she said, why don't you do it? That's right. Yeah, she knew that he would give the ritual refusal. Arr, Klaxon! Sure. That's not part of this one, bud. <laughs> Just throw it in there, though. You learned it, right? Use it. Um... Trying to think of something from this episode that would ever matter again. It's very tricky. It's weird. I wrote a lot of stuff, but I only <laughs> you have learned it about as... the purity of Ludugian gold. <laughs> I only have it as a one. You know what the you know what the purest gold is in the Star Trek universe. It's very important. It's very important. Maybe that's what they um gold press with. Oh, do you think it? They're not wasting Ludugian gold on that. Come no, on. I don't know. The Frankie were walking around with a lot of it. 
they adorn themselves with the gold. Mm-hmm. The waste of the precious metal. What's, um, yeah, what's up with Krios? Is it the same planet or not? There's no clear answer. No one has addressed it in universe. Yeah. They're treated as the same on Memory Alpha. Uh, uh, Yorg would know. Ask him. Yeah. How did the Ferengi learn about this? What was the plan? Why didn't Picard at least lock the door? There was nothing good happening here. I gave it a one also for, <laughs> for world building. <laughs> All right. Characterization. We're in lockstep so far. Yeah. Um. Well, number one, I, I don't know how Riker grew up alone with his dad in Alaska, but he sure doesn't think kissing is a big deal. No. Uh, we saw it when he went behind Rose back to kiss Troy in mm-hmm. Conundrum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we saw it during the outcast when he gave Troy a big mouth kiss yeah. during his speech about how he was in love with another one. <laughs> yeah, I just came here to tell you I'm in love with someone. I'll love her forever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he absolutely does kiss Kamala back in this one before he ducks out of the story for the rest of the episode. Yeah, she gets a couple so, out of him. Maybe upset. I guess no one ever told him kissing is something you only do when you mean it. That's right. He doesn't. Well, even, now you can tell him. He for sure doesn't think of it as cheating. So let's just no, say no, no, that. No, no, definitely not. Picard is. Um, I mean, I don't know. As always, he wants to use the prime directive as a shield here, and he's he's genuinely mad that Beverly is goading him into dealing with this situation <laughs> at all. Yep. Then he falls in love with her anyway. And then we're supposed to feel bad as we watch him hand her over to Ulrich, which, by the way, is the visual language of a father handing his daughter yes, over. it definitely is. Which then makes her a daughter figure now, and then what does that say? Yeah. And uh, I can't get too feeling bad for him here. I don't That's feel sorry tough. for him, and I don't think he's a tragic figure. I agree. Uh, Beverly is the only person who even seems to have a concept of grooming in this whole episode. So good for her, I guess. But she mainly uses it to shoot raised eyebrows oh, yeah, at Picard. Yeah, 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 no, no, she doesn't actually. She doesn't pull a uh, Doctor Rega. Uh, no, nope. I'm going rogue on this one. I'm going to save this lady. She's nope. just like, oh, well, seems like everyone's okay with oh. it. I, not and, me though. Uh, and you're hot for her too, huh? That's oh, what I'm here. I, I guess I'm here. the only one who's cool. And, uh, you know, as you point out, Troy, the empathic character, the ship's psychologist, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, isn't in the so much to do. She'd yeah. Have, yeah. That's why they had to send her away to a She conference. had to be, I don't know, maybe she took her mom on a nice vac- vacation after everything that <laughs> happened last week. <laughs> Could be. Maybe she's like, you know what? We should do a real spa day. Yeah, let's go to that real free thing. You deserve colony. it and you need it. And you stood up for yourself, and you showed most of the crew of this ship your whole bunch. So <laughs> let's um let's go do a spa day or something. Yeah. Um. So well, character work was probably better than the other categories this week in this episode. I still wasn't <laughs> impressed, and I gave it a three. Okay. Jordy asks Rom. If he's ever seen the dolphins, which is a nice bit of business. That is a little nice little piece of business. <laughs> he did that. I went, all right, Jordy. Beverly is not always right, but she got this one surrounded. Yeah. <laughs> all very good points. 
Picard should just I mean, just usually say, when she shows up, it is to make a good point. It's just that sometimes she shows up and demands that people do something about something crazy. Like, my moss grew weird and I want to know what you're going to do about it. And yeah, turned out she was right that time too. in my fucking quarters last night. And Picard's just like, all right, I, uh, I'm I guess not, I got to do a shipwide search. I no longer search. have the energy to resist this, so. <laughs> That's right. I'm, Beverly, I'm very old. <laughs> and I, I do feel like you're taking it. I'm there. almost your father figure, too. I think there's a lot of that going around. Uh, Picard should just say to Beverly, it isn't up to me. But he feels like he needs to defend this fucking ceremonial vagina gift idea to Beverly. Uh Uh-huh. He's still not ready to do the wild thing. Once again, instead of calling Starfleet for guidance, or as you point out, Krios, he just lets this lady talk him into taking over the negotiations in 15 seconds. Riker sensibly leaves the room when um, this lady shows up in 10 forward. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. He says, he I, not about, I got something to do. <laughs> he made a mistake once and walked in there, and Troy and Roe were having dinner together. Yeah, and he yeah. was like, oh, they've already seen me. Yeah, yeah. So she walked in at 10 forward, and he went, mm, have a good day. Have a good day, Worf. I'm leaving. Worf does like that growl, but otherwise he handles it fine. He doesn't go after her or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they ask Data to escort her, not because he's an emotionless android, but because he's been ruined forever by Tasha and Ishara Yar. <laughs> she can't get through to him. Oh yeah, she's not, she's not cracking that armor after Ishara Yar broke through. Nah, that was it, man. <laughs> he was pretty busted up about Tasha, and then Ishara absolutely did a number on him. So. Yeah, he's put some, there's some safeguards in place now, that's not happening again. <laughs> that's right. I mean, we saw the cold shit he did to what's-her-name, Jenna DeZora. Jenna DeZora. All right, well, uh, I've erased uh, all of my uh, my dating protocols. I've also erased you. And he just now, looks um, fucking into the distance. You're not going to want to watch me sit here in the dark and pet my cat, so you might as well go. <laughs> so, you're not going to like it. That's what I'm saying. Uh, anyway, I, uh, I gave it a four. All right. <clears throat> <sighs> well, you have some quick ones. Yeah, these Ferengi had a buckwild plan that involved nearly dying on their shuttle. Then I guess they, maybe they were going to tackle the egg. I couldn't tell. Then what is this Ferengi even trying to do? Um, I'm not sure I like it when the aliens don't know human expressions because it makes all the times they do even more confusing. It's this very guy, bad, and it's very it makes you ask about the Universal Translator, and that's always a problem. Yeah, this guy didn't know in the ballpark, and I was like, yes, oh, he should just know it. <laughs> Everyone always knows it. He should just know it. <clears throat> casting call for sexiest creature alive who auditions for that <laughs> what do you have to think of yourself for sure if your agent said, tells you anything about this part oh uh well the episode is called the perfect mate and, and says, um, uh, they're looking for someone who could uh, realistically be so hot that she can unite uh two warring peoples Basically, like, I it's got Helen this. of Troy, but way sexier <laughs> yes. and a little bit less of a kidnap victim. A little <laughs> bit less. Yeah. Don't, not, I don't want to, not, not entirely, not a kidnap, but you know what I mean. Don't get it twisted. You, you, you still, you don't get a choice in this, but you're, you're not, just a, so not hot. a full person, not a person, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Who raises their hand and says, ah, oh, it's me. I'm that one. <laughs> I guess Vampy Jansen. Um, Again, this lady binged Picard to learn about his dumb village. Uh, I think she seductively threatened to put Picard in the walls of Jericho, which was crazy. 
<laughs> I couldn't believe it when she said well, that. I already they, knew that Troy knew the Boston Crab from a previous episode, but what is up with the wrestling stuff? Bing told her that Picard's favorite era of the WWF <laughs> was the 90s and early 2000s. That's right. <laughs> yeah, when the camera, they, they go to some other scene, but she's in there in the corners going... The Enterprise is Jericho! <laughs> and he's just fucking losing his shit. Uh, Man, I forgot that that was the name of a submission <laughs> move. <laughs> That's all I got. What about you? Uh, Yeah. Uh, there's a throwaway line up here about how most metamorphs are men, but they never quite circle around to explain what life is like for them or have one speak to Picard mm-hmm. or anybody. It's, so it's clearly only there so we can try to be less grossed out about the human trafficking angle, but it's the barest attempt possible. Uh-huh. Um, Katie recognized uh, Max Grodenchik here as Parlanore, but mm. she thought that his name on Deep Space Nine was either Nog or Grog. <laughs> Quote, the dumb brother. <laughs> so she knows. She's got it. She knew who it was. She She's just seen enough DS9 him with his son. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Grog. Grog. <laughs> That's fine. Frankie names are all dumb. He could have been Grog. Um, even post-ethics, they're still just stacking heavy barrels in the cargo bay with no straps. Just every scene that's in a cargo bay now, I'm just looking. Yeah. They really got to do. They got to do something. Especially because we know they just like fold up randomly. You know? <laughs> they can. They just fold up and fall over. It's not good. Um, I never noticed. I never remembered this line from Jordy about have you had a chance to see the dolphins yet? <laughs> and I, like you, I fucking loved it. It's great. It's great because it acknowledges the existence of the dolphins on board and also because it's delivered in a way that an actor would deliver a line. Yep. <clears throat> Uh, I don't know if Ambassador Briam is wearing contacts, but his eyes are intensely blue. Like, he could be in a K-pop band. They're so blue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, he's, he's got that lighting that just travels with him, that TOS lighting that makes yeah. everyone's eyes fucking Fifty Shades bluer. Uh, <laughs> Katie asked out loud when uh, when she goes off with Riker, why does she have to think Riker is hot? And since Riker looks like Dad, we had to have a fight about that. <laughs> you leave what does that mean? alone. I look a lot like him. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's true. It's true. If Marjan insulted Riker, I would be a little insulted for sure. Yeah. Uh, and also when Riker said, if you need me, I'll be in Holodeck 4, Katie whispered, emptying my balls. And then begged me not to write that down because I use, quote, my whole dumb name on the podcast and it could be traced back to her. But that's obviously what he was doing. I mean, it is very dumb of us to use our names on this, but, you know, it's, I'm not going to come up with a code name for this. Oh, yeah. But if I did, Also, it would be I'm Balthazar. not going to go back and edit 119 other episodes. Go too. edit them and put Balthazar where my name was. <laughs> you, I will let you choose your own name for yourself. Cool. Uh, I think Balthazar also. <laughs> good, good, good. That won't be confusing at all. Yeah. Um, I'm Balthazar. Said- and I'm Balthazar. Katie also said it was a bad look for Riker to accept that she was property by saying, I make it a policy never to mm-hmm. open another man's gift. And that's true, too, even it's if he said good. it real bitterly for some reason. It's not good at all that he said that. He yeah. probably thought that was like when he thought it was a good joke to go in there and be like, I mean, think think about it. 
a blind man teaching a robot how to paint. <laughs> yeah. He just walked out and Jordy just looks at him like, fuck you. <laughs> I like that they had LeVar Burton go, That's, there's nothing funny about that at all. Uh, someone tried to do art in this episode, in the scene where Picard goes in to talk to her, but we see her in the mirror. Mm, yes. The whole time. I also um, noticed that. They could have just done it George Lucas style shot, reverse shot, but um, yeah. someone someone tried to do some framing or whatever, and you know. She's kind of a mirror, so at least somebody was fucking trying something. Well, it looked great, too, because there were only, like, six black cardboard squares behind them. So <laughs> yes, you could only well. see so many of them. <laughs> um, the writers probably wrote in the first draft, you can't expect me to change any more than you can expect Japanese tourists not to take pictures, mm, mm, and mm. then had a writer's <laughs> assistant change that to Klingons to be nonviolent. Uh-huh. Lots of good stuff like that in this. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, by the way, almost the exact same stuff that the the guy on the Sutherland was saying to Data. I mean, it's pretty close, yeah. That we were supposed to be very outraged about. Yep. Um, this episode has a lot of dudes backing away towards a door. <laughs> I almost, I was shocked there wasn't one where they bumped into the door frame. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking it was going to happen. Oh, uh, Deep Space Nine would have done that. Yeah, O'Brien, O'Brien would have bumped into his, a door frame. Yes, his fucking lumpy ass <laughs> right into one of those. They would have made bump into the door frame. <laughs> he probably did that in one of those ones where he was cheating with Kira. Uh, I imagine, yeah. Well, she was just too sexy and they were too definitely going to fuck that he had to back out of the room and probably bumped into the door frame. Uh, we don't see her shoes because this episode, I guess, whoever the foot guy was left. Right <laughs> yeah. Because it's been a little bit since we just had a hard cut to oily feet. Uh, but Fabga Jansen has three inches on Brent Spiner, and yeah. I've never thought of him or Data as short particularly. No, I always thought of him as sort of averagey, right? Yeah, he's kind of taller than little height. Picard, but not so like Riker. Fabga Jansen was either wearing huge heels that they didn't show, or she's a tall lady. I believe she's sneaky. she's Dutch. Come on, yeah, oh yeah, for That's sure. That's like asking a Dutch person not to be a fucking giantess. All right. <laughs> Don't don't ask them that. They don't like it. Uh, let me see what it says she is. I'm going to bang it. <laughs> By the way, this is a good sign. The first thing that pops up pops up that isn't just her name is height. <laughs> so people are curious about this. It says 5'11". Okay. 5'11". All right. There you go. Uh, like, I wrote, like I said earlier, I wrote down 10 points in execution if Worf had called the bridge and said he would be in Holodeck 4 <laughs> if anyone needed him. Yep. Uh... When Picard said, oh, I'm not taking it lightly, Katie said his dick is scared of her, a la Natalie Portman's SNL rap. Exactly. Um, and then we were both ashamed when no one taught the actor who plays Rom how to say ingot. No, oh, he's ingot. <laughs> but I just thought of it what, was... Matt? I thought it was charming. Of <laughs> Lugu... Sorry, what is the... Let me look at the word again. Ludugilgold. Ludugilgold. One... Ingot more. Uh, and finally, the internet is 50-50 on whether Picard stayed the night. Where are you? Are well, you... he didn't do it. He ain't ready for the wild thing? <laughs> he's not. He can't do it. He doesn't know how to do it, and he's scared to do it. So, but he probably did get his bald head stroked a little bit. Yeah. Do you think she extracted his creative essence in a kind of a white, <laughs> stringy... Yeah, it's possible. Maybe, she, yeah. maybe that's what metamorphs do. It wasn't really explained what they do, so maybe... Uh, best actor, I have Famke Jansen sometimes, and worst actor, I have Famke Jansen other times. It's a real mixed performance, but she didn't 
didn't ruin it. How closely did that follow how Dutch she was? Was the good acting her when, when she, she was, was Dutch. Dutch? Was the bad yeah. acting when she was Dutch? Or was it not related? Uh, no, I thought when she dropped into her one of the guys thing with the miners, that actually came off fairly well. Yeah, those guys were real creeps. I just don't know what they were doing there. Did they had they just picked up some miners and now it's off to do the ambassadorial stuff? I know it's a big <laughs> ship, but like, <laughs> oh, where are those miners going? Are they going to vault? What's happening? Yeah, they're going to vault miner. That's yeah. why it's called. Oh, that. they're miners from vault miner or miners yeah, to miners vault, from vault miner. miner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's my quick ones. All right. Well, fuck. We got one more of these. We do. Uh, the winner last week was Deep Space Nine. Um, they wasted it. <laughs> they, they wasted it. They had an opportunity here to go Spoiler for two alert. with a really bad TNG. Yeah. Um, uh, to beat Voyager this week, which is a weird thing to say, they've got to score 28 points. And let's find out if they have in them, as we discuss, Mpok Noor. <laughs> It's slow at Quarks. Worf, Dax, and Kira are bugged by all the repair noises coming from O'Brien and Nog fixing some fucking conduit. So they're going to go hit up the Klingon restaurant instead. Still open. Good to know. Uh, After ordering root beers, Nog goes back into the conduit and shows off his engineering skills, but whoops, everything's busted in there. Shit is busted so bad that O'Brien's good idea is to go to an old Cardassian station of the same design and salvage that for parts. Yep. Mpoknor in the Trevis system. Odo warns uh, that thing's going to be full of booby traps. The Cardis always leave booby traps when they leave. So, like, they decide they're going to take Garrick along. He's also still around, just like the Klingon restaurant. They're going to take him along to assist... Also, Nog and O'Brien will be there, and a bunch of extras. Uh-oh. <laughs> extras in a booby-trapped Cardi station. Oh, they got dark. lines and everything. It's bad, man. It's going to get dark. There, I feel There the are aughts. scenes with, with just the extras in them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, as soon as the one goes back out to get more gear before they're even on the shuttle, and he's like, booby traps, oh no, I'm, so, I'm the scared one. I was like, ah, oh, shit. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I could feel the aughts are coming. So, uh, credits. Garrick is talking lots of trash during a board game with Nog, then starts throwing strays at O'Brien. Uh, the hero of Setlick 3, he calls him. It is unprovoked. He seems like he's got something personal against the chief and his Cardi War adventures. I don't know. There was, you know, there brother. was probably a scene we didn't see two minutes before where O'Brien was just complaining on the bridge about his wife. Uh, <laughs> and Garrick just snapped about it. He was just, just sick like, of it. He just gets to run his mouth on this ship. Oh, this is his mission. He really gets to run his mouth on this ship. But I'm Garrick and I will make sure that he has to feel very bad the rest of this trip. Yep. Uh, they approach Empoknor, and Garrick gets to work shutting down the first traps they encounter, but he accidentally wakes up the most dangerous booby trap imaginable. An actual Cardi, Captain Cold Stasis. Um, <clears throat> they find those stasis tubes pretty quick, and they actually determine that two Cardis woke up and got out of those tubes. They find a dead one, though. Um, Garrick calls O'Brien with, uh, there's something you need to see. 
for the dead Cardis and the, and the missing Cardis for fucking real. Hey, this is a good time to tell him over the radio that on the way to see the thing that you saw, he might get killed by a Cardi. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> this is one where you want to give advance notice. You don't want to wait till he gets down there. And then he goes, I was fucking humming and whistling on my way down here. <laughs> I was singing, you weren't there to hear this, but I was singing a song about my exploits at Setlick 3. Yeah, all about the Cardi neck bones that I took Like, you fucking put it in my head, and this song is nasty. It's bad. It's a bad song. I don't sing it anymore. I, I, Keiko says it's okay if I sing it, but I don't <laughs> sing it anymore. I said to Keiko, I probably should stop singing this. Can you believe there said, are people no, out here no, singing no, these no. songs about Cardi <laughs> neck bones and stuff? And she's like, oh, it makes sense. They were in war for a long time. And I was like, yeah, 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 it does make sense. It does make sense. It's called rattling. <laughs> Just imagining that song. Um, <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> Nog has to go back to the ship and get a tool that he forgot. When he gets there, it's floating away from the station and then it blows up. So, again, they deduce two Cardi soldiers are after them. And uh, they also find their instruments don't work anymore. I don't know if that's important to the plot, but they can't, they can't tricorder or whatever. I guess that way they can't track the Cardis. Uh, the two security I think that's officers. the only reason that it's important at all. Yeah, because I don't, I don't know what else it's for. Uh, the two security officers who come along, uh, they get names, but I don't remember them. Uh, they Pichetti? seem unworried. Hold on. I've got them somewhere. Yeah, it's uh, um, Pachettino. Yeah, like yeah. The, like the soccer coach. And I want to say Kazaga, but that doesn't make sense. There's a Bakta, and there's an Amaro. We've got Pachetti and Stoltzoff. Stoltzoff is the lady, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and Amaro is the other security guy? Yeah. Anyway, those two security officers seem very unworried about the Cardis, which is wild. What have they been doing on DS9? Breaking up bar fights? Yeah. Why do they think they're going to be able to take on these... um? cryo soldiers mm -hmm. the cryo soldiers from the <clears throat> legion whose motto is death to all yes exactly <laughs> it's a great motto um they mentioned that in rattling uh o'brien <laughs> decides they'll use the station's deflector to send a signal to ds9 for help and they break up into teams with all the extras in one team <laughs> yep <laughs> whoops <laughs> Uh, there's a Cardi like, stalking Nog for a bit, and then one of them extra engineers and security are stalked as well. Pachetti, he's the one who's the collector of Cardi ornaments and stuff. Uh-huh. He gets grabbed, and the lady security officer's thrown off the top of the promenade, and uh, O'Brien finds both of their dead bodies. The Bullion engineer, Bakta, did you say? Yeah, Bokta, Bokta. He, he's a scared. Yeah. Uh, Garrick chooses this moment to go rogue. Says he's gonna uh, hunt their hunters or something. I don't know, but he's playing mind games with everybody. He seems not quite right. Like, maybe he's being affected uh, by something on this weird dark station. Talking to himself and sweating and shit, but his well, he touched a handrail and got blue ink on his hand earlier. I don't know if you mentioned that. I'm not even sure I noticed it. <laughs> and uh, then someone scanned it, Nog scanned it or something, and said it was a biogenic compound. And then no one cared, so I was like, "Cool." 
All right. Well, anyway, his loud talking draws in a Cardi soldier. The guy can't find Garrick anywhere because he's hiding in a stasis tube. Hops out and one-liners the guy to death. Yeah. He reports to O'Brien that the Cardi was on killer maniac drugs of some kind. Probably a <laughs> military experiment. O'Brien notices how weird Garrick is acting, but... <clears throat> you know, again, no one does nothing. Um, The second Cardi kills the Bolian engineer... Garrick ambushes the guy and kills him, and now both the Cardis are dead, but Garrick's freaking out big time, and he stabs the second Starfleet security guard and runs off. Yep. Maybe he's going to become a blue man like Jordy. It could be. He is at blue man levels of flightiness. Yeah. O'Brien reaches the guy in time for him to say Garrick did it and die, so, you know, that was convenient. Now it's O'Brien and Nog versus Garrick. We can be pretty sure there aren't going to be any more fatalities. Um, Yeah, there's not a lot of people left to ice. (laughs) O'Brien decides to go after Garrick rather than try to send out that signal. Garrick taunts them from ops, and when they get up there, he captures and holds Nog hostage. Or Grog, I don't remember. Maybe Grog. Then a lot of psychological stuff from Garrick about what a killer O'Brien really is, and... They agree to finish it on the promenade. No weapons. They both bring weapons. Yeah, of course. O'Brien finds his uh, dead crew all strung up menacingly. It's Star yeah, Trek, he's got but them you can't tell. Marionetted, yeah. which means, by the way, he got down to the promenade quick, quick. way before O'Brien. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he had time to do some work over there. Uh, they each drop their weapons and get into a little palm strike contest. They do both immediately go for the palm heel strike. Now, that's standard Starfleet training, so that makes sense. But why does Garrick yeah. do that? Is it but to taunt him? I don't know. Maybe he started picking up that style after Worf beat his ass in that tube that one time. Because <laughs> Worf just palm striked the whole time, basically. It's Worf's big move. Yeah. That's like the only thing in Makbara. Damn. <laughs> it's a lot of palm strikes, and otherwise it's just Tai Chi. Uh, O'Brien's getting his ass kicked, but uh, he laid his own booby traps, and uh, an explosion goes off in Garrick's face. I don't know, his tricorder or phaser or something blew up. Anyway, with Garrick out cold, they can finish their work. In fact, uh, the next scene, they're back on DS9, so they got out of there. And uh, Bashir says he fixed Garrick up good, and he gives him complete cover for everything he did up there. <laughs> Sure does, Bashir said. By by the way, it definitely was the drugs and not Garrick, though. It's my medical opinion that it was all drugs and not Garrick, though, of course. What do you mean I'm sticking up for the guy who's in love with me? What are you talking about? (laughs) I don't understand how that's relevant. Um, Though, of course, we saw him needling O'Brien before they ever got on that station, so... Anyway. Garrick asks the chief to talk to the wife of the guy he stabbed to death. And the chief is like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 we're cool, you're aces. And that's the end of the episode. Uh-huh. What was this f- dark adventure about? Uh, this one is like, once you've been forced to kill, are you always a killer? Mm. Is that a line you can't, once you cross, you can't go back? Yeah. Garrick's been playing Taylor for years on Deep Space Nine, but get a little bit of space cocaine in his system and <laughs> it goes crazy. Yep, also, every adventure they ever take him on, he ices somebody. <laughs> But O'Brien, he's an engineer now and not a killer. Except maybe he wanted to kill Garrick and just fucked up the timing on it. Anyway, I mean, he says it's... he tried to kill him, but I don't blame him. Garrick was definitely on fucking murder drugs. Yeah, it's a question at best. 
And so I give it a two. Okay. I had, uh, when you're at a disadvantage, you can't win by playing it safe. They're playing I mean, the that's, board they game. They keep talking about the board game of bold gambits, so you can see how you would draw that conclusion. And then in the end, you know, they're, O'Brien's like, I'm done trying to fix the fucking deflector or whatever to send a signal. I, now we go for the kill or whatever. And I said, so what? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm really supposed to do with it. I gave it a four. It's a take. I don't know. It's uh, okay. Cool. Well, what about execution then? Oh, well, this is just what I don't ever want from Star Trek. Uh, dark jump scare fantasy. Yeah. <clears throat> As always, I'm left with the feeling that there will be no fallout from this adventure. Garrick didn't mean to kill a Starfleet guy and hunt those two others. It's not his fault. No harm, no foul. Also, the, um, when O'Brien says there will be an inquest, what he should have said was, also, I actually have a lot of questions to answer because I got four Starfleet crewmen killed. <laughs> Everyone killed out there. <laughs> it was my mission and I got them killed. They're going to bust me down the uh, other uh, enlisted guy. If this was TNG, I'd be soul searching <laughs> about having gotten them killed. But There's only six enlisted guys in the whole fleet and I'm going to be at the bottom. Um, I bet it'll never be mentioned again. Otherwise, what is this episode doing? I th- I can't give a lot of points here. It's literally just a, a fight to the death on a dark station with dead bodies hanging from the fucking rafters. It's a two. Yeah, and by the way, the station is Deep Space Nine's exact clone, so we don't need to build any new sets or anything. Exactly right. Yep, it's a bottle episode for sure. Um, yeah, so it's just a horror episode. It's based on some specific movie, but not one that is famous to me. Okay. Um, drugs make Garrett go crazy and he does a murder. Okay. Lots of dark sets, close-up shots, not quite jump scares. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's a Voyager episode if they yep. kept Lon Suter around a little longer. <laughs> yep. They do a lot of shit like this, man. Voyager yeah. loves to do these. Yeah. <clears throat> It only succeeds as far as it does because Garrick exists as a character on this show, but it still relies on altering him chemically. Yeah. And even before that happens, he is unusually combative with yep. O'Brien. It's a real dickhole just in to that set up, Just to set the scenes on it. Mm-hmm. And if the idea was to make O'Brien resist killing, they sure undercut it by putting a bunch of words in his mouth like, if that's what it takes to stop him, and what if that was the plan? So... <laughs> <laughs> Not as successful as, say, the end of the most toys, where we're uh-huh. like, Data was definitely going to kill him. He, yeah, he was trying to ice that guy as hard as he could. Yeah. Uh, and doing a lower decks for a horror episode seems reasonable because we're going to see these characters get picked off. But we're so used to these minor characters not having lines that instead it <laughs> telegraphs in a weird way. Yep, exactly. As soon as I start to get lines, you go, I said this, I think last week or the week, remember when the ensign was smart talking Harry Kim? Yeah. And I was like, she's going to beef it. And she didn't beef it. That was and very surprising. And she didn't surprising. beef it. And then you're just like, well, what are we even doing now? Yeah, I thought for sure she was going to get it when she had lines. Uh, we're in the same ballpark. I had it as a three instead of a two for execution. But um, like like you said, I don't want to see this. Yeah, I don't want to watch this. What does it do? Yeah. Uh, okay, I, this is always sort of my test. Like, just remove this thing entirely from the series. What, does anyone care? Did anything yeah. happen? 
Do you remember that episode where almost six years in, the station was unfixable in a way it previously had never been before, so now they had to go scavenging its exact clone, and Garrick got high on Cardassian xenophobia drugs and killed a guy? <laughs> That's right. We should point out, if I did, that the drugs are specifically designed to make him uh, just really mad at not Cardassians. <laughs> That's yeah. how bad the writing is. Um, swinging over to world building, we have Kotra, a Cardassian game that favors bold ventures and gambits. Mm. Uh, Death to All, the motto of the uh, 3rd Battalion of the First Order. Yep. Cardassian booby traps, coil spanners and flux couplers. Um, oh, and drugs that can bring about an extremely specific and targeted emotional reaction. Uh-huh. That was the part Katie found the most absurd. Uh-huh. It, um, by the way, why? Come on. Just make it a homos makes you homicidal or whatever. What yeah. is the point where it's non Cardassians? Everyone but Garrick is a non Cardassian. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. He could have just been on homicide. Well, it's, drugs. it's to make Garrick turn against the others, but again, you don't need that. So You don't need yeah. that. They're all not Cardassians already. It doesn't matter. Um but as usual, we get some Cardassian backstory. And uh, you know, so uh, I gave it as many as a three. Yeah, Impoch Nor, recently abandoned but Picardy rules, has been booby-trapped all to hell. Another runabout down. Yes. It's just losing those things all over the place. I mean, Earth's got a lot of rivers, so like... <laughs> That's good. They'll, but, they, the naming convention will last for a while. They can start to name them after rivers on other planets, too, if they want. They sure could. I, you know, maybe not I don't know if they want to, but... Um... Uh, yeah, First Order, 3rd Battalion. Security protocols about aiming weapons at people don't seem to exist in Starfleet. No. The guy's like, don't point that gun at me. And the guy's like, shut the fuck up. The safety's oh, on. Right. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Thank you very do you, much. Do your fucking job, though. Yeah. Uh, Cardi Super Soldier programs or whatever was supposed to be happening there. Um, I also gave it a three. Characterization? Nog. Like his father, very deliberately distancing himself from Ferengi customs. And I thought the episode was going to be more about that in the beginning when he orders those root beers and shoots uh, Quark a look like, you disgusting Ferengi. (laughs) But it wasn't about that. No, did not come up. O'Brien wants to be the cool boss so bad. Weirdly, this is the best nah, sorry, hold on. You've made me mad because there's fucking room for it too in an episode that's partially about xenophobia. Right, and there could have done also it. the guy is the guy who's a collector of all the Cardassian stuff. There's room for discussions of xenophobia there too. Yep. All right, I'm knocking it down from a three to a two in execution. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because they could have. They, I mean, believe me, there was so much um, stalking around in the dark that they could have replaced with some of that for sure. I mean, the people <laughs> have to be saying something before they're killed. Yep. O'Brien wants to be the cool boss so bad. Weirdly, I thought this was maybe the best O'Brien we've seen on DS9. <laughs> yeah, he, kind of. He plays it cool with Garrick in the beginning. He hands out orders coolly. He beats a crazed Garrick in an IRL war game. He's a hero because of set like three. He admits it himself. Uh-huh. I, I thought it was great when Nog's like, but you were a hero. And he's like, yeah, I was, but... <laughs> Now I'm an engineer. Like, but I have emotions about it, so I'm an engineer now. <laughs> you didn't say, yeah, I was. That's not what you say. Uh, anyway, maybe this will wake him up in time for the big space war that's coming. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. 
Um, Garrick is back for the first time in a while. Uh, he doesn't found he doesn't feel good about everybody's newfound faith in him. And then he's on one the rest of the episode. Um, because of a strong O'Brien, I gave it a five. Uh, I also, well, all right, let's just get into it. Garrick isn't fundamentally a safe character. Mm-hmm. But it's never been because he's kill crazy. No, I mean, he'll ice you for sure. He will ice a, a person if it's in his interests, but it's not like a homicidal maniac. No, he's calculating. But still, his statement at the beginning that he's noticed everyone seems to trust him lately seems way more like clumsy foreshadowing than anything actually insightful about his character. Like, it doesn't develop that he feels like he needs to make himself less trustworthy. He just gets a bunch of drugs on his skin and goes nuts. Yeah. And O'Brien's story about Setlick 3 never seemed to be about killing hundreds of Cardassians. It's been real inconsistent, but it doesn't seem like he's been perpetually troubled by his past or anything. No. It just feels like they homed in on one little aspect of his backstory and blew it up for plot reasons. Yeah, uh, in the even in the wounded or whatever, he's much more upset about his feelings about the Cardassians mm-hmm. <clears throat> rather than the specific events of Setlick Three. Mm-hmm. And no one checks in on Nog to learn whether he feels any differently about volunteering and being so gung ho after this outing where a bunch of Starfleet officers were killed, one of them by Garrick. Yeah, a fucking phaser pointed at him the back half of the episode. Yeah, so we have a character who's on drugs, and another one who's just sort of doing whatever's necessary, and then a third one who steps out of the episode emotionally halfway through. Yeah. So, I only gave it a two. Okay. Quick ones. What is Nog doing on Deep Space Nine, anyway? Uh, they're just, I, I, they've said it a couple of times and it never made any sense. He's I know he's theoretically like, he's a cadet. like assigned there on summer break or something, but also it's the end of the season. So it that just keeps going. A lot of sense. And last week he was working security. Yeah. And he had to confront Martok about it or whatever. Now he's in the tunnels with O'Brien. Yeah. It's yeah. like. Do they always just send you back to your home? When you're a cadet, you just get a gap year or something, and they just send you home, and you do fucking I don't know, like dad's house. Like, how does in the naval academy during summer break, you like you go out, you out on little jags on ships, you go on little trips. Sure, so you go on, you you sailed to Tokyo or whatever. That's cool, but like, hey, is your dad in Tokyo? Is that why they sent you there? Yeah, exactly. Why is he there? Yeah, you go, oh, well, Cisco recommended him for the Academy, so I guess he's Cisco's problem for the summer. He gets to go hang out with Cisco? I yeah, don't he's not, they don't have him on one of the Excelsiors running admirals around. Yeah, or on a Just fucking doing freighter shit. or whatever. Yeah. Um, Were landing pads part of the original Terok-Nor design? They just happened to be runabout-sized? I had always figured they were added by the Federation. But when they rock up on Empok-Nor, they're like, the landing pads are sealed, we'll have to go in through the upper pylons. Must be for those Cardi runabouts that you never see. I guess so. What's the point, Matt, of prioritizing items into must-haves and would-be-nice if you're immediately going to send a third of the team after the lowest priority items? (laughs) I'm going to bring this up at the next retrospective. Like, (laughs) what's the point of having a backlog in order if you're then going to just send half the team to the bottom end of the backlog to go pick up the would-be This is a good question. Yeah, why talk about priorities if you're just going to fucking Yeah, if you're then going to be like, me and Nog will do the must-haves 
and uh, Garrick and whatever, you do this, and then you two go do the would be nice. Well, now hang on. Why'd we do that? <laughs> yeah. Just make me mad. Yeah. Do you think that Pachetti is into badges and emblems because of like ghoulish war memorabilia shit? Or mm. is he selling them on Space eBay to <laughs> people with ghoulish war memorabilia shit? <laughs> and he just, he is lucky to be working in Cardi Space. Now you've discovered why I titled this uh, episode or this this week "Secret Nazi." <laughs> yeah, he, there's something up with that guy for sure. I mean, I mean he's anymore. dead now, so it yeah. don't matter. But <laughs> like, right. he goes out because he sees a great big emblem of the fucking Third Order or whatever uh-huh. on the wall, and he's like, <laughs> "Oh man, I got so hard right now thinking about all the fucking crimes, all the war crimes." Uh. Katie laughed at Nog swinging his phaser rifle around and said he's excited to be there. I mean, that she got what they were going for. Yep. I guess they only have one of the huge first contact phaser rifles, <laughs> so everyone else... In, Nog had that, and everyone else in the episode had to use the square boys. Well, I guess I'll say my only quick hitter here, which was, I'm guessing they saw a room full of props from first contact and decided to go ham, and that's why we have this episode. Yep. They used the fucking encounter suit at one yeah, point. Yeah, they slapped it's Garrick just, in the suit. They, it's uh, yeah, so exactly. Do you think Garrick, like, got a letter this week from one of those Glins that met O'Brien on the Enterprise? <laughs> because he's had five years to get into O'Brien's face about racism yep. and set, like, three before now. Wait for it's this like, one. It's fucking fresh this week for some reason. Again, I couldn't figure out. Did he kill his brother on set, like, three or something? What's happening? Why is yeah, he so what, mad? What did happen on Sutlick 3? Was one of Tane's other protégés iced there? Or... Yeah. Was that a big embarrassment to Tane in some way? Yeah. Did he have was a hand in Was it bad for Tane professionally and he's mad yeah. about it? I don't fucking understand it. Yeah. it's a... Anyway, the blue gel got into Garrick's system and now he wants to keep them here for a thousand years. <laughs> keep you here. Keep you here for a thousand years. I gave best actor to Garrick and worst actor to Pachetti. You've said you're one quick hitter. Yeah, that's it, man. That's all you I got. You ready for some scores? All right, I mean, let's hear them. This, okay, another bad crop. It's every week. They're just all bad crops. <laughs> it's a pretty bad crop. Uh, in last place this week, uh, we're going to hear the very rare bad version of the TNG theme next Ooh, week. Oh, yeah. Uh, was the perfect mate with 19 points. In second place this week with 23 points. Here we go. Deep Space Nine, Mpok Noir. Oh, my gosh. The winner. Oh my god! <laughs> the fourth ever Voyager win. Wow. Survival instinct. I, I wasn't sure the day would ever come. And because I had it in second place this week, I wasn't I wasn't expecting it. Wow. Uh, All right. They last won in week 98, the week after Enterprise bowed out. Oh my god, they've had 22 weeks of just three episodes and they didn't win any of those. That's right, this is their <laughs> first win since week 98. Um, they're on the board now with four. All right. Only five behind Enterprise. <laughs> Only five behind Enterprise. <laughs> no, they can definitely, they can definitely more than double their current amount of wins. Uh, more importantly, it keeps them mathematically alive. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you can't eliminate them yet. Magic numbers, still whatever. Assuming um, that the last three lone TNGs are so bad, we decide not to award wins. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to decide what criteria we'll use for that. Better than the average winner? Something like that. Yeah, it's tough to give them wins just because they were the only ones making an episode. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, and But 
hey man, the Voyager win. So crazy. I you know, I wasn't sure uh, it would ever happen again. It's like the first real episode of Voyager season six going up against late season trash from the other two. <laughs> I'm sure that's part of it. Like the perfect mate again yeah. was probably one of those. Uh, well, I mean, next episode imaginary the... friend. They're not going to try to win that week. <laughs> Where the note chart fell off and got lost and they found it again. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, let's get into it. Um, next week, week 121. Yeah, we will be discussing imaginary friend. Yeah, there's no such thing as invisible people. All right. For Deep Space Nine, <laughs> in the cards. I, I mean, I don't remember what that is. Yeah. And I will have the joy of describing a Voyager episode titled Barge of the Dead. Thank God it's you. Yes. I don't know why I want you to suffer. I mean, I do, because it means I don't. So that's it. No, you don't, you get, suffer, you don't have I to don't. suffer until week 122 when you get to describe <laughs> Tinker Tenor Dr. Spy. Fuck you. I'm already bitter about it. You have to do Barge of the Dead, which I was just celebrating, but knowing I have to do Tinker Ten or Doctor Spy makes me furious. It's right there uh, on the episode title. He's gonna sing. He's good. He's definitely. Schmalis is gonna sing, and I have to do that one. He's gonna sing, and maybe there's gonna be intrigue, since the Great. title is clearly a takeoff on the uh, John Le Carre novel or whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, that's what we're, anyway, those are the episodes we're going to watch in week 121. Send stuff in for the mailbag, or it's just going to be all Ryan again. Um, it has been for a while. No one is really participating. Yep. No one's participating uh, in this great program. <laughs> I don't know why. I can't help but wonder if we've done something wrong. Is it, did we threaten them too much? And then it's got the opposite effect. I think maybe people are finally realizing the show is as bad as we've always known it is. Ah, okay. Well, all right. Uh, anyway, it's at Brother Eight on Twitter Machine. You guys are going to come around. I know it. And um, you could go to uh, brotherdate.com. You could check out Landrew. You could send us mail, even audio mails, like uh, like Ryan did. Everyone be more like Ryan. Send us mail at brothersofbrotherdate.com. Tell us about a time you did a thing that you now regret. Catharsis. It'll feel yep. good for everyone. And if you've listened all the way through this episode, uh, send in the timestamps of the two times I slam dunked my beer can into the trash, and <laughs> I'll send you a little gift. I don't know what it is yet, but he's, he has a lot of hobbies. It could be anything. That's right. Uh, as you will. Oh, podcatchers. Hey, man. <laughs> they know I'm, how to get it. I'm not doing these anymore. I'm, not, I'm just going to ignore podcatchers from now on. Everyone knows how to get the episode. It doesn't matter anymore. As you believe, so shall you do. So shall you do. As you believe, As you believe so, so shall, shall you do. do. I'm Gorgon. Nah, there's some good stuff down there these days. I stole a few <laughs> relics, some masks. Uh, I got a lot of stuff that I'm starting to work on now. I never really know what I'm going to do till I do it. <laughs> Subscribe.